We had technical episodes this issue, and it's not because I'm editing it now! It's not because of that! Basically, we didn't notice that Chris's webcam had overruled his good microphone, so it just- he, sa- he sounds bad for one episode. So before any of you write in and go, oh, there was something wrong with the mic, we know, and it's only one episode. I've boosted it a bit, I've played with the equalizers a little bit, shouldn't be too bad. On we go. Hey, boomers, welcome to your online guide to the way we was via the lens of the lost history of Sonic the Hedgehog, retconned out of official canon these 20 year, but dear and important to us. We are the Hume. Oh, and we're going to be reading something called Sonic the Comic, through which all of this was presented to us. We are the Humes, who think we're in charge. My name is Dave Boomer. My name is Chris McFeely, and I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> that lost history nonsense. It's not lost it's to me. Gone. Forever and long celebrated. Retconned out. Retconned nothing. There's no true canon. Everything's canon. This is the thing. We're the only ones who are presenting this as if it matters. That's our job. That's the point of us. Sega don't care about it. They never mentioned Kinterbor in 26 years or whatever it is. There's a lot of stuff Sega don't care about, to be fair. <laughs> Listen, I got the Encyclopedia for Christmas, oh, yeah. and there is a lot of stuff Sega don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to do the Encyclopedia. Well, we are. That's what this that's is. That's what this is. It's the digital version. Well, hey, boomers, welcome to your online Encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, tortured. <laughs> yeah, we're here with issue number 71, covered it the 16th of February, but it actually came out on the 3rd of February. It's the Valentine's Day issue. Yes, it is the Valentine's Day issue. Have you got yours, Chris? Because I've got mine. I got mine, Dave. I got mine! Here we go. Okay, so the cover we shall describe in just a moment. But it is adorned. It is bits of it are covered up because in the bottom left-hand side, a surprisingly small amount of the bottom left-hand side mm. <laughs> is covered up by the... Is there an official word for it? Sonic the Valentine's card? No, I don't think that... Yeah, just a mm. Sonic Valentine's Day card. No, we had a Sonic Valentine's Day card last year as well. You we remember, did. Day of the Day thing. Huge big thing. Much bigger. Much larger. At least half as big again. Yeah. But at least this one, some more effort has been put into this one. My memory is that that one was a an almost cover of Sonic 3D-esque weird Sonic head. Yeah, but on a big background of hearts and stuff. And it was, yeah. True. This is much smaller. Yes. This card is an illustration of Sonic looking in a heart-shaped mirror. And it says, to yeah. the coolest of them all. Yeah. Because he's the coolest one, he's the so coolest. he's looking at himself. He's doing it to himself, yeah? Yeah. It's a fine drawing? It's a fine drawing. Yes, no, well, it's been... Look, it's been made... Thought has been put into it. It's not just a picture of Sonic and, like, Valentine's Day. No, it's... The, a little joke has been made here. It's a, This is the level that jokes on cards are. They're all bad. I suppose so. And this is one of them. It just says, Happy Valentine's Day on the inside. Oh, and the art on the cover of the card is by William Potter and John M. Burns. It even yes. says on the back. Credited on the back. Oh, and look, copyright Sega Enterprises 1991-2. So, according to everybody online, this was drawn in 1991. Careful now. <laughs> I'm... Uh, I'm <laughs> making references to the incorrect information about the the yearbooks yearbooks yeah yeah don't listen to wikis anyone listen to us we we know things I, this this is rubbish though isn't it just yeah. like you know oh yeah like the last one wasn't good either but it was big no. <laughs> so you know that, that that compensated for it this is this is such a flimsy little thing yeah yeah it's no good there's only one imagine you're trying imagine that you are trying to woo someone who do you think this scores with? Who do you think this works with? Is people who already own this comic, so there's no point. Like, if I gave this, <laughs> if I gave this to Abby, 
that would have worked. Yeah. But, but Abby had this comic. Yeah. Then she would have given it to you, and it would yeah. be a whole gift of the Magi type situation. Wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. That's kind of disgustingly romantic, isn't it? A little bit, actually. Two kids give each other the same Valentine's Day card, revealing in that moment that they're both boomers. <laughs> yeah, only if they both do it, though. If only one of oh, them yeah. does it in the bin straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That is the only possible success scenario for this card. Oh, hang on. Wait a minute. Here's another thing. I don't know if this is just... No, right. Take your comic, Chris. Uh-huh. Look down the bottom end of it. Turn it endways and look down it. From the bottom. Turn from the bottom it endways. Like this. Look at the bottom of it and put your eyes down it. Right. They don't line up. What don't? The card. The front of it is much longer than the oh back of it. Oh my god. So it is. Oh It's my not folded god. down the middle. What a piece of absolute tap. <laughs> The front is big. It's not. It's not cement. Oh my god! And it isn't. And it isn't because the machine for my batch or, bo- or both our batches got it wrong. Because no, no, that's, that's exactly where the, where the line stops. of the art yeah. stops. God damn! What, what are you doing? Tat. <laughs> and not in the good way. Not in the good bespoke tat way that I normally celebrate with the free gifts on this thing. In the deco way. But it does serve a fun interactive purpose, as we've does seen before on the cover it. sometimes. I've never noticed this before until yesterday when I was reading this for this. It's like we didn't we do, we often don't notice the, you know, lift yeah. tattoos to reveal Tails' new partner <laughs> or, you know, th- things like that we've seen before. Where or the, you know, put, flip over the Halloween mask to yeah. reveal Robotnik tearing through it blue yeah. cover that we've seen in the last uh, last year. So the cover yeah. is Dr. Robotnik as Cupid. He's yes. uh, in his full Robotnik gear. He's not naked or anything, no, no, no. fortunately. No, not in his little pants. But he's got a little, uh, little laurel wreath on his head. He's got little tiny wings that would never be able to hold him up, except in a hilarious cartoon. He's got a quiver. He's got a bow, and he's sitting. And little, little wings little on his tiny wings too. on his ankles. Little, uh, That's sweet, little uh, Namor the Submariner wings on his ankles. Yeah. And he's uh, he's on a cloud. Yeah. And he's and is he what what else is going on? Is he is the cloud being held up by string, or is he being held up by string? Oh, that might is be. It, yeah, yeah, that might well be what's going on there. All right, yeah. I don't know what he's supposed to be dangling from, but all right, suspended by an airship just off panel <laughs> by an egomatic just above him. It's an it's an egomatic with him swinging back and forth underneath it, <laughs> and you just think, oh look, it, funny image, you know. But yeah. then. When you flip over the card and see the rest <laughs> of the cover, the bottom left of the cover underneath, you see he's been shooting arrows of fire down on the Green Hill Zone, and you see a big loop-de-loop on fire and people scattering in terror. The loop is half destroyed, and like there are arrows sticking in the ground with, you know, they might even be bomb arrows, like there's fire coming up for them. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good laugh, actually. And it says... Twang, an arrowing experience. Oh, arrowing, you know, like harrowing, arrow, but the H. that's how we talk here at Tavistock Place. In it, Cupid Zone, Amy Pinup, and a Beavis and Butthead Q Zone. Hmm. Oh, uh, I don't know if it's done this before, but it's got the, it's got a strap across the top of this cover now. It just says UK's yeah. official Sega comic starring Sonic the Hedgehog. No, no little circular pog button this uh, time around right there just some words plus yeah. knuckles decap attack sonic's world yeah they come in a, in, in a little drop down right beside the uh it's the same situation again where before they want to get that in, important information 
somewhere it's not covered up by the uh, yes. by the free gift. So yes. that sits up just to the right of the title bar and right underneath where it says starring Sonic the Hedgehog in the cover strap. Yes, they've really put the stuff that they aren't very proud of underneath, haven't they? Cupid Zone. No explanation of what that is. Mm. Cupid Zone, Amy Pinup, Beavers and Butthead, Q-Zone. Well, let's press on and find out what they are. Oh, we've got to flip it. Yeah, we got to flip her over. We got an original advert, not original, you know what I mean, listeners. Whenever a new one, these adverts are repeated week in, uh, fortnight in and fortnight out. And when we've already covered one, we don't really mention it again. But here's a new one. It's sort of ambiguous what it's for, to the extent that I couldn't really look it up and find any adverts for it or any information about the product. Um, but it's a Lego advert, system not yeah. uh, not Technic, system being the name they'd come up with around this time to distinguish it from things like Technic, so like... Themes, as they call them now. Oh, do they? That's, you know, what they call a Lego... Th- this would be Lego City. Yeah, yes, and it doesn't say Lego City anywhere on it, even though that no. was a thing already. It's clearly Lego City... It's a, but it's a, it's like a little you would expect to see this animated. I was really surprised there wasn't a TV version of this advert. Right, that's what this looks like. It looks like mm. they've taken something that yeah. previously existed as a TV ad and done a still frame version of it for yeah. a paper advert. But now it's about a, a runaway truck. Yeah, it's a number of images, and the most dominant one is the last one. But the first one, there's like I, I guess there's like a helicopter and some police, and they're setting up a little cordon and they're shouting at each other. Something's obviously up, and it says "Runaway Truck" in a full-on Raiders of the Lost Ark style font. Like here's yeah, an exciting. As if that panel. were the title of this adventure. Yeah, Runaway Truck, and then there's this picture, and these are great. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. These should be credited because whoever made these is great. They've got a bridge in the city that's like the the bridge is out. There's, there's the whole middle bridge is missing, and like leaping into the air over this bridge is this runaway truck. You know, it like its sections flapping distinctly from each other. Really dynamic, really well posed. It's the sort of truck that has more vehicles on it. Um, yes, yeah, a car carrier. Yeah, but they seem to be racing cars even. Mm. And they're going toppling everywhere. This thing is jumping over the bridge. It's going to be fine, actually. It's going to hit the other end of the bridge perfectly. Yeah, I think it'll make it. And it says in huge letters, it went through the roadblock. And there's people scattering, running away. And then we get to the final main picture. Who's driving this thing? And again, it's the lorry. It's blasting out into the sky towards us. We can see some, some city on a bit of island coast down below. Everybody's panicking and running around. Everything's smashing bits are going everywhere. It's really cool. No, Octan. Was that a proprietary Lego thing? I don't know. Yeah. Let's Just I remember it from the Lego movie. Oh, really? You, you remember Octan Tower was where President Business was headquartered no in the Lego movie. Way. Oh, that is a deep as hell cut. Well, it must be then, mustn't it? I guess. Yeah, oh, yeah, the two top entries for Octan. Number one is its definition and meaning, which is occurring every eighth day, counting both days of occurrence, mm-hmm. in our Collins Dictionary. And number two, Brickipedia, a fictional gas station brand. But there's no, it doesn't say, get the runaway truck set or anything like that. No, it's not in reference to any one specific thing. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. This is called the Indy Transport, but it's just a truck that transports these three race cars. You know, it's right. not specifically a set themed around a runaway truck, and these little policemen don't come with it or anything. It's just right. a, a little story they've chosen to tell using an existing set in this advert. And it's almost as if they'll look at this STC and panic because they forgot at any time to say what the set is. Mm. That whatever it was you just said is not mentioned here at all. 
Ask well, there's all. other sets here too. You know, like these are policemen and the police truck uh, and the police helicopter, and that must be a coast guard yes, set I suppose down so, yeah. under there. It, well, okay, yeah. I guess I'm used to the style of Lego advert where it would say, you know, the truck would have a number next to it, and then it would say yeah. Lego truck or whatever. You know, speaking of Lego, yeah, not to digress completely, but uh, not to pull back the curtain too far for the viewers at home, but we are recording this on New Year's Day, we are, which is the day. That the Sonic Ideas Lego set oh! created by Boomer Viv, yes, Coaster yes, Girl yes. on Twitter, has just gone live for sale. Well done, Viv! Congrats! We knew it was coming, but still, congrats! <laughs> Megadroid says he's programmed into Valentine's mode and can only yes. assume that his sack of cards has been delayed in the post. Yes, of course, yes. I'll bet people were sending Megadroid Valentine's cards. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, Boomer sentiment to the s lines, dear Megadroid, please be my Valentine. And, you know, when you Absolutely. see the, the number of pictures we've had of girl Megadroid, yeah. people are horny for people Megadroid. People are very horny for Megadroid. I feel as if that... Surely there are people our age now who are, like, still in their heart of hearts, horny for Megadroid. Ooh. You know? because And more so now, because he also represents, like, he's a Mega Drive, so it's, like, nostalgic as well. It's like for a time when men were men. <laughs> and Megadroids were Megadroids. <laughs> so he lists just the stuff, you know, here's here are the things that are going to be in this Fortnite's Pulse Racing issue. And then, and then we get, once again, Megadroid talking like someone feigning an understanding of children's culture, where he says, um, yeah, if you find STC too mushy, this issue, you can always... In quotes, gross out with two cult cartoon stars in the Beavis and Butthead cuser. Oh, shall we gross out? Oh, do let's. Do let's. <laughs> shall we? You can always gross out like you children say. But we did. That was the thing. We did gross out. We did love gross stuff back then. And that's proven by yes, what? Yes, although, yes, although I don't know what it was like where you were. But to me, this is the incorrect use of the term gross out. Like, Oh, yes, no, yes. You don't... Gr to gross out. It was not to, like, to break out or to pig out or something like that. I think what's happening here is someone who is of the generation that would freak out is misunderstanding what we're trying to say. No, yes. something was gross out. It was gross out humour. It grossed us out. But you didn't go around grossing out. <laughs> yes, we were the object upon whom the grossness was affected. Mm. We were not the subject <laughs> who performed the grossing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least not in this particular instance. That doesn't sound right, but it'll do. You you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See you in a fortnight, says Megadroid, for the hottest in the video game but, scene. But... We did like gross-out stuff. That oh, was the did. 90s. And it's proven by what is directly underneath oh, here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Worth a sniff. Question. What's 72 and whiffs of Sonic's power sneakers? Answer. Next issue. Because there's going to be a scratch and sniff sticker is. next issue. There it's is. just going to ronk of stinky feet. <laughs> That's what they're giving us. That's what we wanted. We went for that, we wanted it, we desired it. Boomers, brace yourself for issue 72, which captures the aroma of cheese in an exclusive free Sonic Scratch and Sniff sticker. And there's, and there is, <laughs> there is a picture inset, which is not of the sticker. Because no. to my memory, the sticker, which we're going to see on the next issue, yes. is Sonic holding up his sneaker and going, P.U., right? Poo, stinky foots. Yes, poo, stinky. But this, what this is, it says, where, where, it says worth a sniff under that. There's a picture of Sonic's sneaker cut out of cheese. Right, a cheese in the shape of Sonic's sneaker with the holes in so you know it's cheese, shadow and niff coming off the toe of it, right? <laughs> and then just <laughs> above that, just just hovering in the air, 
like a wise old Kehenyu spirit, <laughs> is is just the head of a caterpillar doing a saucy wink at us. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like wincing, going like, <laughs> but, but it isn't. But it, what is it even? It's not a piece of like reused vector art or something. You know, it's not clip art. It does seem to have been bespoke created. They vectored this up specially. Yeah, it's supposed to be going. But yeah, I see it. I see it now. Yeah, it, the the fact that it's going by closing one eye, by wincing one eye and not the other one. And actually, hmm. here's the thing, right? It's a really good drawing of someone doing a saucy wink. Yeah. If that was what it was a drawing of, like everything about the way that the eyes are kind of like inset back a little bit into the face, the shapes of it, it's great. It's a really good cartoon drawing of someone winking. And the trouble is only that he's supposed to not be doing that and be doing something else. That's really yeah. the only flaw in it. And also there's a floating head in the sky above a, yeah. a shoe made of cheese. Cheesy. None of which yeah. none of which is what is going to be given away in the next issue. Plus, for those boomers who demand more Sonic strips, issue 72, well it says here, I'll read it out verbatim, yeah, issue 72 do. also brings a dose of the heroic hedgehog. Yeah, I should hope so. Yeah, I would, I would like a dose of Sonic from STC. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Okay, is he? Okay. I assume it's supposed to say a second dose, yeah. So hot-foot it down to your newsagents and reserve your copy now. All right. We have talked a bit about scratch and sniff stickers in the past uh, before, but yeah, this is what we liked. We wanted stinky <laughs> ones. Girls got, like, strawberries and unicorn oh, farts right. and stuff, you know, we, but boys got, got fish and poo and, fish and poo. cheesy feet. That was how it worked. Do you remember there was a whole night where, like, Noel's house party I came do, with scratch and sniff cards? The uh, scratch and sniff cards you could get. To, I guess uh, that would have been a like a children in need or something, or a maybe comic relief or something. It might have been. Yeah, it could have been, yeah. But I, I remember. No, I didn't have the card, but I remember it happening. Oh, I did. It was the next year's version of whatever it was where Look In magazine came with a, th- a 3D eye lens that you put on to watch the the Doctor Who special on telly that night. Oh, the, uh, the Dimensions in Time. Yeah. You know the one, the, the bad one, the EastEnders crossover. The EastEnders one with the camera whirling around. And yeah. like, yeah, it's a bad one, but if you put that lens over your eye, it was an amazing experience. You were watching it in 3D, you were watching Doctor Who in 3D. It was really cool at the time. But uh, yeah, the next year it was this smell vision and so you go through the thing and you know, Noel would be there, and then there would be a big trumpy noise, and then you would have to scratch off that bit and smell the trump or something, whatever it was. <laughs> Interactivity. Back in the yeah. days before the red button. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of new entries in the charts there. Yeah. I feel like we haven't seen that many new entries uh, once in ages. Of course, unfortunately, one of them is PGA Tour Golf 96. 96. Well, you, you can five. talk. You bought PGA Tour Golf, didn't you? I didn't buy it. It was in the house. Oh, I yes, big pardon, big Personally. Pardon. Important <laughs> distinction, actually, yes. And uh, Jurassic Park 2, two at number 9, and Ms. Pac-Man at number 10. Jurassic Park 2, though, that's not... That was... What did they call it? Oh, is it that enhanced version that we uh, heard about? No, hold... Well, actually, hold on. Okay, I will. Oh, he's reaching behind him. Speaking of Christmas and things I got for Christmas, for oh. Christmas I got oh. Chris Scullion's Sega Mega Drive Encyclopedia which oh. is a list of every game released for the console in English. Great, then let's consult the tome. So this would have been amazing 
if it had existed two and a half years ago. If I could have had this book from the start of doing this podcast. Oh, God, you're right. To reference yeah. every time we were confused about something or didn't know if something came out. I mean, it doesn't include games that were only released in Japan. So. Oh, boo. So now that we're down to the, the last three or four games they're ever going to mention, we may as well. Exactly. <laughs> Let's see. Jurassic Park. No, there's no Jurassic Park 2 listed here, so it oh. must be Jurassic Park Rampage Edition. Although the name suggests an enhanced update, it is actually a completely standalone sequel. Right. Presumably, Ms. Pac-Man is rather more spruced up and experienced than just a port of the arcade game, Ms. Pac-Man, that was already very old at this point. Mm. Uh, the Mega Drive release is a port of a port oh, God. for the NES. Oh, God! Mm. With enhanced visuals, rather than the four maze types from the arcade game, this version features four separate game modes, each with their own unique mazes. Arcade, Mini, Big, and Strange. Strange! <laughs> Tag yourself. <laughs> Unlike the arcade version, the Mega Drive version also has an actual end. If you finish level 32, you'll see a cutscene where Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man wave at the camera and, and then relax on a beach. And do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Might as well look up PGA Tour Golf 96 while I'm here. Tour 96 is the last PGA Tour game on the Mega Drive, uh -huh. which again harkens towards the end of an era. It does. But it says here that this was the series' first massive overhaul because EA was focused on the PlayStation and 3DO. Oh. So rather than do a legacy edition like it had done with NBA, NHL, and Madden, EA tried to make the Mega Drive version match the others, which meant 3D modeled courses on a console that couldn't really handle them with Oops. massive load times every time you hit the ball. Oops-a-daisy. Can you imagine if we'd had this book for the last two years? I am happy that Sonic and Knuckles has gone up to number six, Theme Park up to number seven. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Mickey Mania, for some reason, roaring up to number four there. The only other new entry is Micro Machines 2 on the Game Gear in at number nine. Hmm, it's quite nice that Master System is sitting there unused at this stage, so it's still occupying this nice nostalgic place. It's got an asterisk. It's got Sonic on it. It's got Sonic 2 right there. Robocop V Terminator. J Robocod. Streets of Rage, Echo the Dolphin, The Lion oh. King, the oh. whole thing. It's just, yeah, it's all the classics because all they've all been re-released and they're all affordable now and you can see what people are gravitating towards too when they have the pick of the library instead of the new hot things. Exactly. Oh, I wonder, oh, number one in the Game Gear chart. Star Trek Generations. Woof. There we go. CJ's Elephant Antics is in there. Hooray. Let's drag me away from this chart. Summer. The Return of Chaotix Part 5. A title now meaningless. <laughs> Written by <laughs> Nigel Kitching. Art by Richard Elson. And letters by Ellie DeVille. Having travelled back in time to the day of the accident that gave Sonic his powers, our hedgehog hero finally realises how the Brotherhood of Metallics altered history. They removed the rotten egg from Kintivore's fridge that combined with the ROCC explosion to turn him into Dr. Robotnik. Sonic reluctantly replaces the egg, and he and the Chaotix travel forward a day to witness the creation of Robotnik, setting history back on track. But the Brotherhood still have to be stopped in the future, and our heroes now realize that Robotnik must hold the key. 
this was very exciting yeah. at the time, wasn't it? Like, this was a big, big, big moment. No, it's not as good as Sonic in the Fourth Dimension. Uh, no, no. Covered on our Patreon stuff. But it's a similar concept, and it was just as exciting, because it was like, it wasn't... Something about Sonic matter-of-factly going in there and pulling tight that cable that trips over Dr. Kidder. That's the thing. I don't mention that in the in the summary. Yeah. But yeah. Sonic pulls the cable taut that Kintobor tripped on way back in yeah. issue eight. And that's an STC original yes. idea. That's you know, what they're, distinguished they're, the STC version from yeah. the other versions. The specifics of the origin vary from telling to telling. Sometimes he spills lemonade on it. Sometimes he just yeah. accidentally types something wrong. Sometimes it's not thing. clear what happens. Yeah. But in STC, Kintobor tripped over a cable. And it is here revealed that Sonic is the one who pulled the cable taut and mm. made him trip. And there's something compared to how, you know, because perhaps we've recently read back through Sonic in the Fourth Dimension, there's something sort of cold about how Sonic is just matter-of-factly going through this. He's like, oh, right, okay, I'm going to have to just kill Dr. Kinterbor, there we go, and I'm just going to have to put Dr. Robotnik into the world, there we go. You know, it's uh, it, he's right, that is what he needs to do, yeah. and he has assessed that the current threat is worse than Dr. Robotnik, but something about him just going around with a scowl on his face and just being like, right, step one, put the egg, step two, pull the cable, there we go, job done. Well, it's not it's not unaddressed, though, is the thing, because, you know, the, the when, when Robotnik is born, Sonic says, yes. that means the person responsible for creating the most vicious dictator on Mobius is me. Yeah. Let's get out of here, Porker. This is the worst day of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's present. Yes, it's it's very dramatic, and it's God. It's cool to see. Uh, look, I'll tell you what this allows to happen. It allows for 1996 Richard Elson to revisit <laughs> this story. You know what I mean? And those yeah. are two. Both those Richard Elsons are really good. But it's cool to see him at what is the top of his game, going back and going like, yeah. Let's just revisit this before we get into a muddle with Sonic 3D and, you know, not being allowed to draw things properly, properly anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it is because it's original version Robotnik that he draws yes. here. Yes. And it should be, obviously. Yes. But I would have, pro not as a kid, but yeah. as an adult, I would almost have been willing to forgive them Yes. Just drawing modern adventures, Robotnik, because it's been yeah. X number of years and kids don't know and what have you. Not as a kid. I would not have forgiven it as a kid. Oh, yeah. And hence, if they had done it as a kid, I wouldn't forgive it now as an adult because oh, yeah. I would have carried that grudge with me yeah. for 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> but simply stepping outside of it and looking at it as an adult, I probably would, yeah. Well, from adult eyes, what it is a bit weird to see them draw that and then have to explain it without yeah, exactly without having any more pages left for Sonic to turn to someone and say, "Okay, so here's the thing." No, instead, there's a caption at the bottom which is like, "This is, of course, Robotnik's first form before he changed his look in STC number twenty-two. You know that, which was still a really long time ago in the grand scheme of things because we talked yeah. before about how this issue was built up as the sort of the reveal of robotnik yeah. and sonic's origin for the new younger generation of readers who weren't there yeah. 60 plus issues ago when the story yeah. was originally told and that's only about 50 issues ago you know there's only 10 issues difference really it's an interesting measure of like what our age was and how our minds were running at this time because like we've talked about and we've sort of realized to ourselves recently about how the space between issue eight and now is 
a lifetime yeah. for some kids for for a seven-year-old child for instance that's like the whole time they've been at school their whole life of education over but for me i don't know about for you but for me when i was reading this i don't remember feeling like oh i've read this for ages this this comic has been a part of my life these x years i i still thought of all of this as very much current Rather well, than something long in the tooth. I certainly, you know, I remembered the stories all very well because I read them and read them and read them and read them, you know? Mm. So it was all still very much, yeah, current would be a way of saying it. I mean, but no, but it, like it still was a long time as a kid. Yeah. You know, and, and insurmountable. And, and I, can't, I, yeah. I can't take my mind back to there. I can't tell you now how long that felt like between those issues. But I do know that nearly three years yeah. two and a half years nearly three years that's a long time yeah you know and it's it's coincided with when i was starting a new school which i am now mm. entering the last year of yes this is the same for me yeah but i don't know for some reason i just i do think i remember it feeling like it was all just you know this is sonic it's now it's the thing i guess i'll tell you why it's because i haven't stopped interacting with it yeah so yeah i guess it's all just Part of my world. Yeah, there's been no break point. You haven't ever stopped and then gone back to it a bit or anything like that. Plus, the games are not yet old mm. to me. I've just no. got Sonic and Knuckles. And here it is. What a, what a time to be a Sonic fan and to have these specific things, to be playing Sonic 3 and Knuckles, to be discovering things in Sonic 3 and Knuckles for the first time. That'll never happen again. And then to be reading this story where we revisit the origin by going back in time. Well, that's it. I it's almost, it's it's like the end of an era, something coming full circle. Like there's the mm. real life aspect of that with starting the new school and finishing that part of school, which was true for both of us. Yeah. And we didn't know it at the time, but obviously the original four part trilogy of Sonic was now over. It, yeah. it, although it would still be a couple more years before the new era of Sonic would truly begin with Sonic Adventure. Yeah. Our era of games was functionally over now with only the strange yeah. like interstitial of 3d to come yeah. and what kitching has done in this story is again taken things full circle mm. there's a great yeah. sense of completion happening here where we see the origin again from one of the very earliest stories he ever wrote and the bringing to fulfillment of ideas that have been in the sphere of sonic the comic since issue 21 since the comic was seriously revamped into a serialized adventure story that began with the introduction of metal sonic and the true formalizing of the Freedom Fighters and the Kitabor computer and all that, and the way those things have built on each other over and over and over, adapting the games to all become part of one big story that feels like it's reaching an end, a completion here, as the beginning with the origin of Sonic and the Metal Sonics comes full circle to be where it all ends with going back to the origin in the biggest and functionally, because yeah, this is like the end. This six-part story is the end of the. Metallics as of the Brotherhood of Metallics as any kind of ongoing threat in the comic. Wow. Metal Sonic does not become Robotnik's Sonic-shaped hench robot son no. as he is no, treated no, no, no. in modern media. You know, he was a special threat that was only pulled out on certain occasions, and those certain occasions are now coming to an end. You know, and you know the the opening of this is fascinating. The, so the first two panels it starts with a shot that could have been out of issue eight. Brown Sonic running on the gyratoscope, Kinderbore actually looking weirdly angry <laughs> as he fiddles yeah, with Yeah, yeah, he's really <laughs> focused in concentration there. But nearby in the doorway, Sonic and the Chaotix and Porker are peering round. And it's fascinating to me because, like, Mighty having had a recent resurgence and 
the Chaotix being more or less current Sega characters in 2021, mm-hmm. there really is actually still something worlds collidingly about seeing those guys, the, the modern Sonic characters, peering round the door to watch the day Sonic turned blue. That was the context of it in 1996, and it's kind of the context of it today. Yeah, the, the newest guys... Yeah, going back to where it all began, you know, because the because right now, yeah, the Chaotix are are still sort of current, semi-current Sonic game characters that are appearing in the official stuff. So it's like modern Sonic characters going back to see his unexpected past, which is the exact context it was when it was first printed, and it still hits like that now. Mm-hmm. And then there's the explosion. And Sonic turns blue and he comes out and everyone goes, whoa, what happened there? Uh, but by the way, listeners, if this is your first visit to this story, then you might want to go back and listen to our eighth episode where we present the story in full to you. Here is a clip of the pivotal moment. Today we'll try out these friction-reducing trainers. I call them the Power Sneakers. Ready when you are, Dr. K. Hey, Doc, these power sneakers are real cool. Sonic, stop! The gyrosphere can't take anymore! Sonic! Maybe it's seeing the brown spiky Sonic on page one and then looking at what he's about to turn into. Something about thinking that Sonic the Hedgehog's whole shape and colour are the result of a transformation, the way I used to, the way the context I used to have for Sonic. Because remember, Stay Sonic is basically my entry point for Sonic. Like, I didn't have any Sonic stuff myself before. Something about seeing this in that order has made me really look at Elson's art of Sonic here, this issue, and see my boy, the character <laughs> I love the most. Here, he, Look at him, the panel three with his cross face. The panel, page two with him standing out in the... In it. He's blue! He's got these three spikes off the back of his head. He's blue. He's great. Love him. <laughs> He's in Sonic 3 and Knuckles. It's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only going to get weirder from here on, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. This is probably like the, the apex of that. Because, you know, Elson's drawn Sonic. There, There is a difficult-to-describe but perceptible difference in the uh-huh. way... Elson drew Sonic at the very start oh, yeah, yeah, compared yeah. to how he's drawing him right now. Yes. He's only got better. But sort of like basically from about here, mm-hmm. things start to sort of... The, the bell curve starts to come down the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because he has to start drawing his spines wrong. You know, the whole proportions of the figure slowly start to change. And I don't, like, I don't think we'll ever be able to put a finger on the comic and say, here is where it is different now. Mm. Aside from whenever the spines do that ugly, stupid yeah, flick, which we that. will... Oh, oh you bet. Just wait for that issue. <laughs> it, you're going to have to put a, a, an explicit language rating <laughs> yeah, on there or something. We're going to be so furious when that happens. <laughs> but that's not all the changes, you know? There mm. is going and, and I don't think we'll ever truly be able to point to the moment whenever that starts, as it mm. were. But I'm, I, I just know... I feel like at this point now I'm going to be on the lookout for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just look at that 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 two thirds big square panel, the second page. Yeah. Just a, it's just a big drawing of Richard Elson's Sonic, and it's lovely. And mm-hmm. I just I think back and I think how far we've come, and I think forward, and I think how much that's going to change. But anyway, at least in this issue, we've got the right Sonic 
going back in time and seeing the right Sonic turn into the right Sonic and <laughs> Kintobor turn into the right Robotnik and everything is right. Here it is. This is peak right. I feel a bit peckish. How about you, Sonic? Great. I'll have a triple cheeseburger with salami salad, pickles, mayonnaise, and mustard. Oh, dear. I must have forgotten to do the shopping again. Oh, oh that egg stinks. How long has it been in there? Only about six months or so. A little salted. It should be fine. Doc, watch it. Huh? Sonic! Doc! Doc, are you alright? Don't worry about me, Sonic. In fact, I've never felt better. Dr. Ivo Robotnik? <laughs> exactly! <laughs> Doesn't he draw the old Robotnik great here, too? Oh, God, yeah. He looks even... He's got the manic abandon of the mm. Martin Adams Robotnik about him. <laughs> you know, yeah. Elson never drew Robotnik as a slobbering madman slobbering. with eyes. But yeah. that's what's happening here. He is yeah. his his drool sloshing out of his big distended lips. And look at look at the eyes. They're like they're like ruby orbs fighting their way out of the socket. And to compare it, as the page layout insists we do with, on the left, the picture of Kintobor getting zapped with his moustache and hair, like, billowing back and lit up white instead of ginger. It, it's so cool to compare these two guys and see what's happened. Terrible shame that the uh, caption f***ed it up, though. Dr. O.V. Robotnik. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, Sonic explains oh, to no, the Chaotix it was that rotten it. egg which combined with the explosion to turn Dr. O.V. Kintobor into... <laughs> big panel, there he yeah. is, Robotnik. Dr. O.V. Robotnik. No. And it even says Ivo on his name tag. He's got it right it's in the art. It's like... on the art. Oh, God. Hey, look. Here it is. Here's where I got that idea. That the coolest version of the story in my head is if Dr. Kintobor accidentally trips and slams the egg-holding hand down onto the controls. Look, he's doing it! One of the key points of divergence on virtually every telling of the origin story, regardless of what iteration of the Bible or piece of media it was, is the precise circumstances of how Kintobor becomes Robotnik. Mm. Common to all of them is that he fancies a bit of lunch, but it turns out he's forgotten to get the shopping in, so all he's got in his fridge is a single rotten egg. In the Sonic the Comic version of the story, he's walking back towards the ROCC and trips on a cable falls yeah. over and his hand slams into the control panel and that's what causes the explosion. In the Stay Sonic version, he's simply distracted looking at the egg while he types commands into it mm. and miskeys something. Far uh, less dramatic. Nigel's version's much better. Yeah. In the promotional comic, he has both an egg and a bottle of soda, which he accidentally spills on the control panel, which <laughs> causes the explosion. And in at least one iteration of the Bible, a hole in the ozone layer suddenly opens and lets in a burst of solar radiation. <laughs> My interpretation was always that the hand that smashes into the keyboard was the one carrying the egg, and he's sort of smashed it into it. That was what I always thought. No, well, he's holding it in his left hand, and it's his. Yes, right as hand. I look at it now, that's definitely yeah, not the yeah, case. But the case, I used so to like that because it means in my head the egg yolk got in, and that's why the explosion, rather than just yeah, that the radiation came out through the egg, up through <laughs> yeah, his hand much. into the. <laughs> <laughs>
I got it into my head that I must have made that up myself because yes, in of the course. comic, I he's the holding it in from the SUV other hand. Night. Yeah, of course, of yeah, course. Yeah, it's swapped over. So apparently that's where I got this idea. It is in STC, mm, but just here. here instead, yeah. The panel is slightly different where Kinterbor trips. And why wouldn't it be? Because we he's it's happening slightly differently this time. This is you it, because if you go back and look at issue eight, which I remember doing back in the day, oh, yeah. the cable as he trips over it is lying loose and wobbly right, yeah. on the floor. But yeah. here it's bang, yeah. pulled tight by Sonic. Yeah, so Sonic has pulled that cable tight in just before Kinderbor has swapped mm. what hand he's holding the egg in. <laughs> yeah, this is not a predestination paradox. You know, there was no. not always a future version of Sonic yeah. there in the past making the accident happen. Mm. Yeah. This is a, a timeline change. Now, that being said, we've done all of that careful detective work there. I did read this at the time as, no, he was always there. Sonic was there. I probably did too, yeah. Yeah, and I kind, I kind of prefer it that way. Yes, actually, I do too, because I love a good predestination <laughs> paradox. And that may even be the intention. I'm sure I, I just have to write this yeah. stuff off as... Uh, artistic just because it's just it's a fucking yeah. comic about a talking hedgehog for yeah, children I, it doesn't matter none of this matters no but we have to please. pretend like it does please oh god in fact yeah please i don't want to be the sort of person who anyone thinks ever went on record to say like because we've noticed a discrepancy in the artwork that means that the story's different exactly <laughs> it's because it's a it's a drawing made by humans of something that's not real and didn't yeah. happen little yeah. changes are allowed it doesn't mean yeah. anything to the continuity or the timeline because if you were thinking of it in those terms then we could start going off on like oh yeah but sonic is narrating so when he says he turned into dr ov robotnik that's just because he was sonic saw kinterbor really and he got that he got confused yeah yeah because he saw kinterbor there and he got distracted and said his old name because he missed his friend <laughs> no it's a mistake <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no anyway there's kinterbor in it in the coolest drawing of kinterbor we didn't get a shot like this in the original slamming his hand down, or, or well, or heading towards the thing with his hand out, the egg is dropped onto the thing. It goes kazurk. Electricity goes out through the egg, and I guess that's where I got my idea. The chaos emerald energy goes up through the egg, through the, egg, through the hand, into Kintamore. His blood turns into rotten egg, and bloof, there he is. <laughs> that's why he smells of rotten eggs, because his blood is rotten egg. He exudes it from every pore. Dr. Robotnik, what a character. What a great character Dr. Robotnik was. Was. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. think Dr. Eggman is also uh -huh. quite an entertaining character. Yeah, he's all right. He's a very different character. Totally different Robotnik. character. Completely different. It's like, if you, you could conceivably have a thing where it turns out Dr. Eggman and Dr. Robotnik are brothers. There's the, like, mad, wild, evil one. And then there's the sort of, like, clever buffoon, silly one who keeps doing bad things. <laughs> um, and then they, uh, they use the Omni-Viewer to go back into the present see what it looks like now and there's a lovely lovely shot we've Ooh. you know lovely sort of classic marvel type shot of uh, all of mobius viewed from space with the metallics miracle planet chained to it just a big metallics head in space lots of and it's like there's light gleaming off this thing all around there's kirby dot stuff mm -hmm. all the way around the planet brilliant picture of space as viewed by the Omniview, who himself has this classic Marvel-style mm. face on him, looking out. This hunky man face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever thought of the Omniviewer as hunky. Do you know what but I mean? He's got, he's, he's got, got chiseled cheekbones. Yeah. yeah, that's what he's made out of. He's this 
He's like, yeah, he's like a square-jawed man face, but, well, very square-jawed, because he's a literal square around it. <laughs> Chris is doing faces for this audio <laughs> medium, but trust me, they were big ones. <laughs> Little answer to a question we asked before in a past episode, we see Citadel yeah. Robotnik from above again, and what yeah. was previously green, and we debated whether it was a moat or a meadow. Oh, yes! Concluded, obviously, it was a, a moat, must be a moat of green slime. And I said, said it should yeah. be pink. Yes! I hear it's pink. They've changed it so that it's surrounded by a lake of Mega Mac. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that's, oh, I love this seven pages and we have to we, we have to remind ourselves it's only seven pages because mm-hmm. they cram a lot of stuff into them this is the most like i don't know classic cape comics sonic has been in a long time isn't it sure with a big time travel plot like this big complex yeah. story referencing itself referencing itself. around itself in that way sure yeah, yeah. Without, and without too much, because like we thought leading up to this issue, the way that they seemed to be pushing it was that it was going to be f- kids who didn't read issue eight, kids who are you know too young or new or whatever, here's what it is, here's a reminder of the story. And maybe that's the purpose of it, but actually I think it feels more aimed at long-term readers like us in the end. Well, I don't know, I think it's a little hard to, to know for sure, given how well-versed we are in it, but yeah. the, the sheer size of the panels and the space that they give over to revealing oh, yeah. Sonic... Transform Sonic, Transform Robotnik. You're right there. Yeah, this could definitely be someone's introduction to it and not confuse them near as I can see. I think you're right there. And I, yeah, do you know what? I kind of want to take it back a bit. But I guess what I was talking about was something about how something will happen and Sonic will kind of go, oh, yeah, this was when this happened. Oh, yeah, this was when this happened. And it'll happen. Rather than, you know, there's not so many gasp moments. The Chaotics aren't seeing it and going, so that's your origin, Sonic. Ah, you know? yes. The Chaotics don't go about gasping, but their presence and the occasional question that they ask yeah. gives Sonic license to be yeah. a narrator for the yeah. events, for, for the for the audience, and explain nice. some of the things that are happening. Isn't it you know, great? Vector, Vector asks, what's going on? And Sonic explains, <laughs> the Metallics has removed the egg, so we had to put it back. And what's so important about an egg? It was that egg that did X, Y, and Z. You know? mm. It's like a re-establishing of the, the egg the ROCC. It's like these things that we haven't seen in STC in a long time, but they used to be the the key items of Sonic lore, and here they are. And it's used it, to be and still are. There's a reason yes. these things are best <laughs> known among most people for being in STC, yeah. even though that's not where they originated from. Yeah. It's not where most of us first encountered them, even. No, but yet in the in the wide sweep of history, that is what they're generally best remembered as being from. Yeah, and so having had all of this. Marvel excitement going on. What happens now? We end up in Citadel Robotnik. Robotnik is just there being Robotnik. Yeah, and they... everything's back to normal. So Robotnik's just, I want that hedgehog found! Yeah. Um, and then, boom, Omni Viewer appears in his office and Sonic yeah. comes leaping out, declaring, you and I have some unfinished business to take care of. And Charmy B in the background is like, golly, Sonic's really cross this time. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure what it is that he's so mad about. <laughs> He's not like yeah, the, the way this the, the way this plays is as he's here to confront Robotnik about something, but he's not. The question that hangs over the end of this story, as we had into just must be said, its final chapter next issue, is why did the Metallics erase Robotnik? Mm. What what does he know? What secret does mm. he have that is the key to their downfall? Why did they have to remove him? Why was he the threat to their continued survival? 
Um, but it does play very much like Sonic is about to beat him to within an inch of his life. <laughs> yes, perhaps just for having made a metallics in the first place, you know. And the fact that this whole situation has had to cause Sonic to become the person who created his mm, worst enemy yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Sonic's definitely mad about that. Yeah. I wonder if Sonic's going to get to do a, I brought you into this world and I'm going to take, take you, you out. out. <laughs> that sounds like a very end of Mobius C kind of thing. <laughs> oh, it's a shame I didn't use that. Uh, mentioning Charmy there, I actually forgot to that li- as they leave the past in the Omni Viewer, Mighty turns to Charmy and says, "You understand any of this, Charmy?" And Charmy just says, "I haven't really been paying attention." <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, love it, and that's why Charmy's great. You know yeah. that that you know that Charmy really does have his moments, and that is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Next issue, the reckoning. Graphics zone. So Cupid Zone, it turns out, is the graphic zone. They've got into this habit lately of renaming the graphic zone whatever. What, what was it? The the Batog zone or the uh, the the greaser zone or in recent issues, you know? But this is a lovey dovey graphic zone anyway, so there are lots of symptoms of womanhood abound in this one. Oh, this is a two page spread dominated by Sonic character and a girl version of Sonic character doing hearts at each other, basically. Yeah. That's the premise here. But there are some very nice ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, Megan Jones kicks us off there with Tails just standing there looking <laughs> very pleased with himself with yep. kiss marks on his face and arm as a girl Tails, who we only see from behind, yes. walks away in the distance. And how can you tell it's a girl Tails? Because she's got a bow. Exactly. It's pretty much... Oh, wait a minute. <gasps> wait! I've just realised something about this. That I don't know why this excites me. So the tails that we're looking at, looking at us with his smile on his face, that's basically mm-hmm. the tails off the cover of Sonic 2, isn't it? That's uh, the yeah, tails yeah. off the cover of Sonic 2, but covered in um, lipstick marks. marks. Yeah, lip, lip well, marks, yeah. do you remember that the teaser for the cover of Sonic 2 that appeared in advertisements had them facing backwards, facing the other way, in sort of shadow? Oh, no. Which I believe is what Megan has reproduced here for the girl tails. In the background, um, facing the other way. And she just put a bow on that. And the little uh, hint of an eyelash uh, coming oh, out yes. from the fringes <laughs> right the corner of her face yes, there, too. just poking <laughs> over from the back. Yes. But there are some other very good but-a-girl yeah. pictures here, too. Because I, I love this one, for instance, from Claire Abramson from Wigan, who uh-huh. has done Robotnik, looking yes. at a girl Robotnik. But girl Robotnik... She's got lipstick because it's a girl. Of course. But that's it. Yes. The big signifier of girl here is that the mustache is pink. Is pink. <laughs> pink. Pink. I love that. That's great. <laughs> yes, it's interesting bespoke design because she's also given her a new top. You know, it, it resembles Robotnik's in the sense that it's, it's got a cross the cross with a circle. Yeah. But it has, like, sunbursts coming out from that circle. And, like, a little, what, winky face in the circle? A little winky face for the belt buckle. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, you, is that what it is? Is it a belt buckle? Well, I don't know. It goes around the waist, and there's a circle thing in the yeah. belly button, the belt buckle, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, you know the thing. Uh, yeah, the, the thing. thing. I mean, you know the thing. I mean, the crosshairs. <laughs> the exact thing, yeah. It's a button. If you press Robotnik's tummy, his arms and legs pop off and he falls down. <laughs> <laughs> Big bloodshot eyes on her, too. Yeah, yes. The kids are in, into that, aren't they? We've yeah, got a tail the second with bloodshot eyes. One of those we've seen, isn't it? Now, you must be as curious as I am about this one on the bottom left. I know. it's Something's cropped, isn't it? Yeah. 
it's it's from Michelle Hurd of Rain Hill Merseyside. She's a Game Gear and Mega Drive owner and now a Crayola Overwriter pack winner. And she's drawn a really good little cartoon Knuckles. Yeah. It's a good cartoon version. She hasn't just copied an existing Knuckles. The face is so good yeah. that I want to believe she has copied something. Not necessarily yeah. a Sonic drawing. No. Could be a Garfield. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> but the face is so good when you look at how much the rest of the body sort of collapses the more you go down the drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Um, but it's generally quite good, and he's holding, either holding or has just got behind his back, a big, like, you know, pack of roses. A big bunch of roses all wrapped up. That's roses the flower. When you say pack of oh, roses, beg pardon. it's just after Christmas. Beg when I hear pardon. pack of roses, I think of something else entirely. I mean the flowers, not the chocolates. But he also has a box of chocolates that is in colours that I can believe it's a pack of roses. Yeah, um, right there. <laughs> but he's but in his other hand, he's handing out, with, with, a, with a look of love on his face mm. he's got his eyes all, all drooped closed as if he's you know as if he's floated through the air following a, a perfume trail to get here he yeah. is there holding out one flower that's kind of bluey purple right and off to the right is a drifting trail of hearts mm-hmm. but we cannot see who they are from yep who is he in love with it seems like michelle Hurd has drawn some other figure in this picture that stc has cropped out do you think it was a controvert was it someone that they couldn't print knuckles being in love with like another boy well that's what i was gonna say maybe it's sonic it, it, maybe <laughs> it is who knows or i mean or we could be wrong yeah. and it could be weird pull but you'll un- you, you will agree with me when i finish okay. this sentence that it's okay. a very believable idea it could be a cut out and stuck in a circle of drawn hearts photograph of Michelle herself. Of Michelle Hurd, oh, yes. It could, could be. be. That's just a, a totally random guess, yeah. but I think you'll agree very believable. Michelle, please Let us know. get in touch. I know none of you do. I know we always ask you to no do this. One ever, no, actually, that's not true. Not no one ever has. Very few yes. of you have. Yes. But if you know a Michelle Hurd, H-I-R-D, from Rain Hill Merseyside... Please tell her to get in touch with us. We will be nothing but supportive of her. <laughs> of, and we will like, we'll do our best. We support this now. We'll do our best to set her up with Knuckles, you know? We'll pull whatever <laughs> strings we've got. We'll talk to David Marriott, see what he can do. You're not alone, you know? You've seen the reaction oh, yeah. to the Sonic 2 trailer, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, now is... N- Michelle, now There's is no better time, time to have the horn for Knuckles <laughs> than right now. <laughs> I do have to credit uh, Tim Hart from Falmouth and Cornwall over here, who's drawn like Mr. and Mrs. Megadroid. Yes, folk rock legend Tim Hart from the band Steel Ice Band. Okay. (laughs) Because what he's done here is he hasn't simply drawn Megadroid. No. And then Megadroid with a bow. And then girl Megadroid. No, he hasn't. No, Mrs. Megadroid is sporting lipstick. Only just. Only just, yes. But the only other symptoms of femininity that she is blighted with are what appear to be a set of pink washing-up uh, gloves, yes. a pink and blue frilly apron, and um, a, a scarf tied round her head, as if she was a northern housewife from mm. the picture postcard getting ready to hang up the washing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing you can't see is the curlers that she surely mm. has on under that headscarf. But <laughs> what I give him credit for is he hasn't done, like, mm. male as default and just done regular Megadroid oh. with this feminized Megadroid. No, he's done... Yeah. 
masculine Megatroid, which is involved yeah, yeah. putting him in like a tweed trouser blazer and flat cap combo. Yeah, also being very northern. Yeah, yeah I'm wondering, so very, would... very picture postcard about this. Eh? Oh. Also, uh, male Megatroid there, he's uh, he's kitted out ready for COVID look. He's got his face mask oh. nice and tight on. <laughs> <laughs> got a belt on too. Yeah. So I just, uh, I like that. I like that Tim did not uh, go male as default. <laughs> no, it's great. It's like um, a Raymond Briggs couple. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Also like this one up on the next page from uh, Ashley Merle of Parkham, North Devon. This is Sonic and Amy, and they are doing a kiss and a big kiss and a cuddle, and they're standing on a sort of a backdrop of what is, if you could only see all of it, a shiny heart. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, you can't yeah, see all of it. Notice, but yeah, 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 it looks like a kind of a puddle or a, or a balloon yeah. or something, because you can only really see the middle of it. But if it wasn't cropped off, this would have a tail and it would be a big heart. And they're doing... This is a, a genuinely quite tender-looking kiss, isn't it? This is Yeah, they're uh, going for it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ashley has successfully drawn these two awkward-to-draw characters with their faces pressed together in a reasonable way. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. look awkwardly drawn. There have been some ex extraordinarily awkward drawings of Sonic characters kissing in a certain comic that's not this one. (laughs) Um, And in cartoons, too. Official media. But uh, Ashley here has solved the problem by simply not showing lips. Their muzzles are just pressed together. But they have their eyes closed. It's very cute and sweet. And they're... uh, uh, Yeah, Ashley was a Sonami booster here. No question about it. Really, the only criticism I can possibly have is that Ashley has done the eyelids wrong but apart from that oh yeah didn't even you know what didn't even register (laughs) i am now going to do something very risky Uh uh in Uh in in order to get the sense of what it was you told me a minute ago i am going to do a google image search for sonic kissing Archie Sonic kissing. <laughs> do you know all I d- <laughs> I typed Sonic kissing and you know how it comes up with a list of autofill suggestions. Sonic kissing shadow. Sonic kissing knuckles. Sonic kissing teeth. Wouldn't Sonic. you think so? But here are oh, the no. t- here are the top results. One Sonic kissing classic Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Number two Sonic kissing Obama. A what? Obama? Obama, but spelt Oboma. <laughs> <laughs> that is the number two. Apparently, enough people, or, or, and I know what you're going to say, listeners. Maybe I have previously Google searched Sonic kissing that was Obama. My next question is has, has Abby been using your computer? <laughs> number three, Sonic kissing Sonic. Sure, that, that will make sense to me. Yeah. Next, Sonic kissing Fan art. Just Sonic kissing fan art. Sure. Next one, Sonic kissing Eggman. Oh, yeah. Well, enemies to lovers. Next one, Sonic kissing meme. So, I guess... that Yes, it probably is a meme by now, isn't it? Next, Mario and Sonic kissing meme. Fair enough. Shadow Sonic kissing Amy. Ooh, a throuple. Next, Sonic and Mario kissing ping, PNG. Oh, well, I guess that's probably something to do with the meme, right? They want the PNG to... Apparently, to... there's a meme and they're trying to make the meme, yeah. And then finally... Uh, Sonic and Obama kissing Flamingo. I'm going to look up that one. <laughs> I was going to say, are, are you willing to risk clicking it? I am not finding any images that have anything to do with a Flamingo. I am finding plenty of images of Sonic kissing Barack Obama. Are you sure that Obama the Flamingo isn't some fan character Obama we haven't heard of? Flamingo. Let's find out. <laughs> no. No. 
Alright, we think we've got an explanation of this. It is just us being old and not understanding pop culture that young people have on the internet. Because what it is, is that on February the 16th, 2018, somebody called at Albert Stuff on Twitter tweeted, Pictures of Sonioc and Obama kiss. Now, he didn't put Obama. And nor did that bag that everyone thinks that this must be a reference to. Uh, no, it's not that. That just says Obama. So I don't know where Obama comes from. But Albert Stuff has since rebranded, according to Barry Griffiths on Twitter, has since rebranded his YouTube to the name Flamingo. So there you go. Apparently that tweet spawned a meme. I don't know what that meme is. I haven't seen it. You'd think I would because I'm now surrounded by Sonic people on the internet again. But I uh, haven't. So there you go at the end. So, Sonic... Kissing Archie. Let's have a look. Oh, I know exactly goodness. the panel you'll get. It's the one where he's tipping Sally over. Yeah. Oh, there he is. There he is getting one on uh, Bunny as well. That'll be evil, Sonic. Oh, is he? He doesn't look evil. He's got a tear in his eye and he looks all nice. Well, maybe, but oh my God, the heinousness of that. Mm. Jesus Christ, that's rancid. And this was allowed to be published. Like, look up uh, Sonic kissing Satayam. Oh, okay. Isn't that'll just be that that one uh, frame, will it? Oh, it's worse than I thought. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, it, 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 the way that they do it is by putting their faces together. The, and there's multiple occasions of this shown on screen here. They put their faces together the way, the, you know, kind of the way that Ashley Morrill has here, just pressing them ni- nicely together. But then they have to draw some lips waggling about. Yes. There's lips waggling about. I'm seeing four distinct examples of those characters kissing, and they've got one of them has a visible lip or lips somewhere poking around the face of the other one. It's ridiculous i think that's probably enough time spent it's probably about sonic it, kissing, yeah don't you? i think so yeah it's we're been, not that kind of podcast no no it's been more than 25 years spent focusing on the concept of sonic <laughs> kissing, so. <laughs> i do like this one next to it from allison headley from tyne and weir that's a familiar sounding name for some reason it's such a familiar name do we know allison headley i looked it up and i found nothing and i'm feeling rude like do we know her is she just one of our friends maybe she's had a picture in the comic yeah before. yeah but that must be what it is sorry allison if you if you it's just that you have the same name as a postdoctoral researcher digital humanist and aspiring drag king she slash her that always comes up when i google this name fair enough <laughs> but what she's drawn here is a medieval bard style sonic serenading princess techno yes it's really neat to see fan art of techno isn't it so soon after her introduction and before she'll really become you know a recurring character because we when we ascertain it's going to be a year before we see techno again she's got a box of chocolates and a handful of flowers which it looks more like she's giving to him than the other way around he's ding 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 dinging away on what looks like a loot and we round the page out with the last one here from emma Steele from mm. ludlow in shropshire which is another robotnik and mrs robotnik yes. one um, where it's a much more girl Robotnik. It's yes. it's a it's a lady Robotnik who's wearing a skirt and high heels and lipstick and has a bow and has orange hair instead of a mustache. Worth mentioning that the skirt is just the black lower half of Robotnik's thing, but, but with, with a, a frilly, frilly bottom. bottom yeah. it's quite nice. But the true hilarity of it all is <laughs> she's chasing him around with a frying pan. It's very the end of Robotnik's lab, right? Yes, he she did actually chase him with a friggin' frying pan, didn't she? It may have been a rolling pin. It was that sort of thing. Uh, 
by the way, listeners uh, may want to sign up to our Patreon to get this content yes, of we're course. referring to. We forget sometimes that we're making references to things not all of you have read, but we're referring to the end of Sonic in Robotnik's Lab, the first of the Martin Adams novels, where a character who was quite sympathetic and interesting yeah. throughout the novel had their earned ending totally beefed by having his nagging harpy of a curlers-in-the-hair frying-pan-wielding wife come up and chase him off over the hills at the very end. Yes. It was... It was rubbish. <laughs> but that's what's happening here, and there's something very appealing about this drawing. The way that Mrs. Robotnik has been drawn to have this huge mouth. It's like Gilbert off Get Fresh, or whatever it, Gilbert yeah, was off. it is, yeah. <laughs> this huge, giant, lipsy mouth. Because that's how big Robotnik's mouth is, therefore. That's right. This is what, it, yeah, this is what Robotnik would look like if his mouth wasn't hampered by his moustache. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate when they make appropriate decisions, such as she's not going to have the big orange moustache, but she is going to have big orange hair. Of course she is. Yeah. But conversely, I love the pink mustache. Pink mustache, well. that's so great. That's, that's so that's good. That's so great. Do you know what? It's only now that it occurs to me that what's interesting about that is not just that the mustache is pink to denote girl. It's that this girl has a massive mustache. Oh, you're only just getting <laughs> that right didn't now. It did occur to me because it's Robotnik. <laughs> that's just the shape of Robotnik. Yes. And it, 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 I don't think I noticed that it was the Cupid arrow through the heart in the Think Bubble was coming out of Robotnik and not Mrs. Robotnik, you know? He likes that moustache. Yeah, it's the moustache. That's why he's running away from this other one. Because you ain't got a moustache. Exactly. <laughs> right. Look, we've figured out the whole story here, isn't it? He's eyeing up this pink moustache Robotnik, and then his wife with her frying pan comes <laughs> running in. Decap <laughs> <laughs> attack. The Bride of Chuck D. Head. Written and drawn by Nigel Kitching. Letters by Tom Frame. Professor Frank N. Stein has created... LIFE! AGAIN! This time it's a bride for Chuck. The gorgeous Daphne, over whom Chuck and Igor immediately start fighting. Only for Igor to suddenly back down when he notices the label on the flask that had previously contained the brain Stein put in Daphne's body. Chuck and Daphne step outside to enjoy the moonlight, and Chuck discovers why Igor backed off, when it turns out that Daphne's got a werewolf brain! No, no is that how that works? I'm not sure! <laughs> <laughs> this was really funny. This got a big good laugh out of me when yeah. I turned the page to see, like, it's a rare thing that a reveal in STC is, babe. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we effectively have two babe reveals in this. One is yes. when you turn the page and you see a babe mummy. <laughs> yeah, she's all bandaged up, but she's got an hourglass figure, yeah. but she's face is fully covered. Yeah. And Igor's like, I wouldn't get too excited if I were you. The last person Stein made was you. And have you looked in a mirror lately? Y yes. Here it comes. The biggest disappointment since Chuck spotted I filled his bath with piranhas. <laughs> And Stein unwraps the face, and it's a red-headed bombshell. Yeah. Look at them chiseled cheekbones. Second mention of chiseled cheekbones in this yeah. issue. And she's got the, of course, the both of the key accoutrements of Lady. Mm -hmm. She's got the lipstick, she's got the eyelashes. Of course. How else would you know? <laughs> How would you know? Stop! Hey, um, it's probably about time just because there might be new listeners who are, have just started recently and haven't listened to this long term and don't know our running jokes. We are not, in fact, actually saying that we think that there are specific gender markers that allow someone to be female. We are making fun of the fact that that was the mainstream opinion 
in the drawing of girl versions of characters when we were kids. So if in those days, if you wanted to draw a girl version of Sonic, then you could just draw Sonic and then you could put a bow on her head and eyelashes and lipstick and that was now a girl. And that was how you knew and that was all you had to do. And we just, we think it's funny that we had such a simple view of things and, you know, presumably kids are still doing that, but what we're doing here is we're making fun of our own era. Okay, okay, back to the podcast. The contrast between that panel and the next one, which is Igor boinging into the air with yeah. half of his face made out of hearts now, shouting, Hot cha cha! Proper tax every cartoon reaction. It's really cool. I just really like this one. We're back. I'm just laughing. I'm just always laughing. He set me off giggling again. Something about what yeah. what's going on. I'm always giggling throughout this issue. I've got a little grin on my face. Chuck gets his dandruff. What are you playing at? The professor made her for me. Who could find a two-headed bozo like you attractive? I'm not the one with green skin. And then Daphne in the background, barely even looking at them. You know? oh, I love this. Actually, neither of you appealed to me. I prefer human beings. At which point, Professor Stein leaps in and goes, Boys, boys, the lady will decide, yeah? <laughs> and this is played fairly straight. He's got like quite an angry face. He's like pushing yeah. them apart. But he knows what's up. Oh, now, so it took me a while to figure out what went on in this next panel. Yeah, yeah. I read the panel and I was like, oh, I remember this. Did you? Yeah. Oh, no, I just was confused because I didn't spot it. I couldn't figure out what, mm. what was missing. There is a speech bubble, has a essentially fallen off the page yeah where igor observes the flask that previously held the brain that stein put in the body because the first piece of dialogue that's visible in the panel is stein going yeah yeah that was divine mm. but obviously there is meant to be a speech bowl of igor saying was this the brain you use prof yeah and it looks like it's just fallen off, but if you look real close, yeah. it's just one of those instances again where they failed to paint the white background of the bubble on this on the acetate that overlays the art. That's all it is, and unfortunately, it's mostly, almost entirely printed over a black background. Mm -hmm. So it's invisible. So you can't even see it faintly. So you can just see the edge of the bubble poking in over a piece of green. Er, you, yeah. fro. It's all we can see there. Yeah, there's no way of finding out what he said there. But whatever, this is a good comic. I yeah. like all of it. Look at his well, little smile in the last that's panel. That's exactly what I was about to say. Look <laughs> at his little smile. Little smile, there's nothing little it, about no, it. Look it's at enormous. his big smile. Yes. It's great because as an artistic flourish, all the lumps disappear from his face. <laughs> Yes! It like cleans up into a cherubic smile. Cherubic, that is the word for it, yeah. Uh, as he's saying, care to take a stroll outside. The moon will be out soon. So they do, they go out. <laughs> and he goes, sigh. I'd never noticed how beautiful the mountains look in the moonlight. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Thinks head sitting on his shoulders. Yeah, he's taking no head. No one asked you to come along, head. <laughs> yes, something about the fact that he's trying to go for this little romantic stroll, and, and he's brought his mate <laughs> who sits on him. And she goes, "The view is nice around Growl." Growl, never heard of the place. <laughs> and uh, it's because she's turning into a wolf. And then a big arg floats up from below. As Stein looks over the edge, and Igor grins to himself. Well, what do you know? I must have used a werewolf brain. And next issue, bonus Sonic story. Yes, this is the end of our run of decap attacks. This is how I finally figure out what Megadroid was going on about. <laughs> yeah, this one, more laughs to be had in this one than in the last decap attack or two. Just a generally good one. It's, it's Yeah, this is an all-round good little comic. Decap attack had a rough transition into uh, standalone sitcom format. <laughs> <laughs> into 3D. <laughs> <laughs> 
pinup. Here we go. Nice pinup. Yeah, it's a nice pinup. Pinup. No, we're cooking. Yeah, we are. This is here we go. Now, I think we made that mistake again, didn't we, of already having reviewed this art last episode because they showed a preview of it and it does turn out to be it. Yes, this was the image on the next issue page from last issue, which turns out to be the preview. This is by William Potter and John M. Burns. William Potter, by the way, I didn't say it before, but he's credited with editorial assistance in the in the box. He's the yeah, regularly, I think. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's him. I wonder if he's the one who makes the, you know, vector art winking caterpillar and stuff. Maybe. Would have thought that was more the designer's job, though. Well, well, me too, but, but that's what I thought as well. But if we're hearing that this artist is helping out, maybe that's why. Editorial assistance. Yes, I, well, I don't know. We'll have to, hey, huh. get in touch. Perhaps we can find these people and interview them. I am Will Potter, and you may be wondering how I came to end up in an issue of Sonic the Comic. I was a member of a band called Cud, and they split up in the um, mid-90s, and I moved to London, hoping to make it as a comic artist. I moved in with a friend from um, the Polytechnic called Carl Flint, who most of you will know as a Sonic artist, a cover artist, and through him I got to meet Debbie Tate, the editor, in a pub of all places, and show her my portfolio of comic art, but she was more interested in the writing because she wanted some editorial help. So I went in, covering for both her and Audrey Wong when they were on holiday, and I loved it. It was my first editorial job, and I've been doing it since. I also got some chances to draw for the comic. Uh, in issue 71 I did the uh, Valentine's Day card and an Amy poster, plus I did a few pitches for a Knuckles special amongst other things and some transfers. And for my sins I also <laughs> had to put on the Sonic costume for a comic event meeting and greeting the fans, which was uh, hot work and um, difficult when there were kids who just wanted to um, pull off my tail. <laughs> All right, bye. It is a nice pinup, though, I must say. It's lovely, yeah. yeah. Amy in her, what is now her identifiable, like, yes. STC get-up, her heart shirt and her kilt. Yes. Uh, wielding a longbow instead of a yes. crossbow, though, so we're not quite out of those woods yet. No, I, I basically think we've established that Amy is proficient in each of those things. Proficient in stringed weapons. It's like in an RPG when you've made a ranged character, you know? And <laughs> you, can, you can use the longbows or the crossbows and it just depends on the points. Yeah, and she's standing in the wreckage of loads of badniks that you can see her arrows all sticking out of. Not recognisable badniks, of course. but No, no. Although, well, the, the one on the left is edging towards being Caterpillar-esque, but generally they're just some robots and machines and things. It's a funny one, actually, because it's got, like mandibles yeah but then there's also a whole jaw with stubby square teeth below as if the mandibles were actually a mustache yeah and a sort of spider leg slash Mm. scorpion sting thing coming off the top of it yeah so she's just in a robot place and she's just wrecking it and she doesn't care she's got a big grin on her face she's looking at eager for the next one she's gonna get that's what's so good about it. It's an Amy action pinup. Yeah. We haven't had one of those before. You know, we've no. had Amy being rescued in pinups before. But this right. is, you know, it's just part of the steady transformation of Amy. Yeah. It's a good, good one. one. It's nice to have a nice pinup. It is. Anybody who was a fan of Amy would have wanted to put that up on their wall versus some of the rubbish that we've seen that and will continue to see. Absolutely. Good pinup. Just some adverts. Just the Frosties! Here again, yeah. they've always got the best stuff, and hey, this one's well. well this was alright. Uh, this is okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've, I think we've, 
it's our fault, really. We've bigged Frosties up too much. Yep, they're all up and big, but uh, this is... Um, I don't want these. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Eye of the Tiger badges. Four to collect, and they're, they're just... I mean... They're little rubbish, sort of 3D molded mm. tiger heads. And they're not good. No, they're not, yeah. They're not well drawn. They don't look enough like the animal that if you were into the animal, you'd want them. Yeah, they're very soft molding. But you see, the excuse for them, and also the reason that makes them even worse, is that they are worthy. They're for a worthy cause, which automatically yes. makes things a stage more boring when you're a 13 <laughs> year old in 1996 tragically accurate because these are not in the packets you know you won't find these within the boxes of cereal themselves you have to send away in some capacity at no point does tony actually tell you how you get them it oh. just says keep your eye out for special packs you'll oh. find a spectacular set of eye of the tiger badges to collect hmm. for every badge you collect kellogg's frosties will donate 25p towards global tiger patrol but it doesn't actually say it says, when you apply for your badge, Frosties will send you a set of tiger stickers and a special booklet all about tigers. Start collecting oh. now. So you do have to send off for them. But it also doesn't sound like you have to collect tokens either. This might just be one where you send them money. I think that's what it is. I think yeah. you're sending them money. Because, because according to the picture, you're getting quite a haul. Yeah. The badges are, there's a Bengal tiger, there's a saber-tooth tiger... And there's two Bengal tiger cubs that appear on of, the same badge. Yeah, that's they're a single sort of conjoined badge. looking almost. Yeah, and they're just heads, all of these. Yeah. And then, for good measure, there's a fourth Tony the Tiger one. You'd, which is... you'd f*** with the Tony the Tiger one. It's, you know, yeah. if, if, if you're the choice of one, that's the one you oh, get. Oh, God, yeah. That's clearly the best one. I don't know if you get to pick or what happens. Good question. Well, given that it talks about uh, 25p for every badge and there's four badges to collect, that's one pound for every four badges, you must be able to tick the box on the coupon mm. cut out of the back of the box yeah. and say, this is the one I want. And it's all because tigers are in danger. There's a photo of yes. a tiger and it says extinct on it. And I went, is it extinct? And it, no, I think they're saying that they're threatened with extinction, right? I think so, yes. I don't know if this was like a... What does it say? Tony the Tiger has joined forces with Global Tiger Patrol to look after his tiger friends in the wild, and you can help too. Uh, I'm sorry. What? It suddenly twitched from third person to first person in mid-paragraph here. As my tiger friends <laughs> desperately need protection from illegal poaching, lots of important items are required, including canoes, jeeps, <laughs> and even elephants to help patrol tiger reservations. I don't know why I found Tony the Tiger saying canoes funny there, but I did. Canoes? Canoes? <laughs> Listen, Tony knows his way around a canoe. You saw all that oh, yeah. outdoorsing and sportsing oh, he was God, doing yeah. in the later part of this decade. Yeah, yeah, he's got the eye of the tiger. It's time for action, and you send him off, and you get some stuff, and... I stumbled slightly, even though there's no reason I should, with the phrase, for every badge you collect, Kellogg's Frosties will donate 25p towards Global Tiger Patrol. I don't know what it is, but I, in some small way I object to it being Kellogg's Frosties that are going to date. Because that's a cereal. That's yeah. not... You can't anthropomorphize that. Kellogg's, Kellogg's. will donate. Yeah. Tony will donate 25p yeah. out of his own pocket. Either of them. But saying Kellogg's Frosties suddenly transforms what, what I think Kellogg's Frosties is from a bowl of something pleasant to eat into a corporation that I don't want anything to do with. <laughs> By the way, the, we didn't say it, but the reason these are called the Eye of the Tiger badges yes. is because their eyes light up. There's a switch on the back and it makes their eyes light up. 
I can imagine it, and I know exactly how rubbish it will look. <laughs> yeah, and you can see there is something distinctly wrong with all their eyes, especially Tony's, because there's a picture, of course, of all the badges, including mm-hmm. the Tony one. Now, there's a, now the main thing wrong with the Tony badge is that they photographed it from the wrong angle. Yeah, Your standard drawing of Tony the Tiger is usually drawn at a three-quarters angle, and so when you do that you draw a certain kind of open mouth. Yeah, it's curved in a certain direction, yeah. Yeah, and they've drawn it curved in that direction. So there is a there is a canon direction from which you should look at this badge. Only looks right from one angle, yeah. And it doesn't work from any other. They've done it wrong. They should have drawn his mouth front on. Yeah. And they've photographed it from the opposing angle. So he has this weird concave mouth that's sideways and wrong. What colour do you think their eyes light up? Well, it must be yellow. I mean, they, they all That would be the here. logical assumption. I would it's gonna be red, almost though, stake money on it being red, yeah. It's going to be red. The cheapest LED that there is, yeah. Well, there's one way to find out. Let's have a quick yeah. YouTube. Now we're approaching this tiger's lair. You rarely see this many together. There aren't many left. But there are plenty of these great Eye of the Tiger badges. There are four to collect. Just save eight tokens only on special packs of Kellogg's Frosties and help save my wild cousins as well. They're great! Can't really tell the colour from the eye, can you? Because it looks yellow in the animation, but that's just a drawing. And it Mm. looks red on the picture of the box Mm. itself. And we've only ever really seen ones that light up red in real life. They're the cheapest, rubbishest... I think that is true, that red is the cheapest LED. I don't know why that is, but I have heard that, so it makes sense to me. I just know it's going to be red. But uh, we did also find out from that you needed eight tokens to get one of these. Yes. Which is a lot of bloody tokens. That's a hell of a lot of tokens. But at least they're not asking for money. Did we see how, like, because we've had a thing, well, really, that's not that bad. Three tokens on a box. And it doesn't mention it anywhere in this ad, but there's also a lenticular hologram on the front of the box, too. The uh, area where it is, is is covered by this photo of the Tiger book in the uh, in the actual ad itself. Three tokens. You see what they've done there? Three doesn't go into eight. So mm-hmm, they've started it. you off collecting the next one, so you feel obliged to buy more and more. Yeah, that's it. Like one of those part works. I have to say, it's one of the less exciting competitions we've had out of Frosties in our years. This is the thing, that it's a good job that there is nothing appealing about having these, except the Tony one. Well, if you're only going to get one, that's the one you get, you know? That's the one. Bengal tiger, come on, who cares? Just making sure Bengal tigers aren't extinct. It is threatened by poaching loss and fragmentation of its habitat. Of course it is. So, so 26 years later, they're still clawing on. And that's all thanks to you boomers who bought cereal boxes of Frosties and sent off for bad badges. Well done, everyone. You have saved the Bengal tiger. Good for you. Up till now. You're great! <laughs> <laughs> The Graveyard, Part 3, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Helen Fell. Knuckles burrows his way out of the prison the Kohenyu spirit has sealed him in and goes on the run, trying to avoid the animated Kohenyu skeletons, dig out a raw emerald, and make his getaway. Soon, he stumbles upon the Soul Crystal, the gemstone that keeps the spirit of the herd tethered to this world, and a standoff ensues as Knuckles threatens to smash it. Right. Kohenu Ghost, cool. Yes. Graveyard stuff, the cage of ribs, cool. Bursting out of the ground like with a zoom tube before. Cool. Wicked cool. Soul Crystal, cool. Sick. Knuckles' behaviour and attitude, not cool. No, no. In this episode. He's, uh, he's really 
He's taking the high ground here. He's like, brilliant. My race has killed you off bodily. I can finish you off spiritually by smashing your the, your soul. I mean, I have the sense this is leading to a I'll be just as bad as my ancestors thing. How could I do this type thing next issue? But as the cliffhanger goes, it's like, knuckles! Yeah, behave! Steady on! <laughs> but what a lovely set of drawings this is. All of these big Fat, chunky, Master Emerald ore crystals poking out the ground. Mm. Lovely stuff. Big skeletons mm. wandering about. It's like, so Knuckles is in a big rib cage. That's his prison yeah. cell. And it starts to contract and it's going to crush him. Like, that's yeah. Love that. You can kind of see it sort of cracking and little chips coming off it as the bones constrict. It's really good. And he gets out by burrowing his way out. Because he's knuckled. Of course he does. he does. He's knuckled. Yeah. Of course he does. When it happened, it came as a surprise. I was like, oh, yeah, Knuckles can just do that. Of course, we've seen him do it before, but not, not for a while. No, it's been a while since he did any big burrowing that I can recall. But then he comes bursting out of the ground like he shot out of the zoom tube that one time mm. when he took down Zachary's robot in the last yeah. story. It was... <laughs> flying through the air. It's like a dolphin mm. bursting out of the water. <laughs> and just as graceful. But it's Knuckles and he's bursting out of the dirt. <laughs> and he aims himself at this big floating dinosaur head that just sails right through it. What mm. do you know? You really are a ghost. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not used to... I'm still not used to the voice. Cockney Knuckles real, mate! Do I look like I need your power? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hope he's not doing an American accent. When well, he doesn't sound like it. He's There's not, a he's, slight he's erotic R on the word power, that, though. That's the the thing. power. He's, yeah. He is rolling that R, but yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see. Of course, there's a slight erotic everything on everything he says. <laughs> Too much of that this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the Valentine's issue. Um. Well, what else is there to talk about? Um. Yeah, it's the the moment I start turning against Knuckles here is when the skeletons are attacking because they're desperate to stop him from doing what he wants to do, which is to get to the thing that preserves their soul. Well, no, Punch no. Off and he's just trying to get a piece. He's just trying to get a raw emerald. Yeah. That's not the same thing as this one big mass of crystal where the soul is contained. Yeah. No. Oh, that's true. Actually, that's true. Yeah, but still, it, it's still there's something a bit British Museum-y about it, isn't it? He's off oh, there yeah. to take this thing home and put it in the place he thinks is right. And we agree with him because, like, the thing is, the, the, the not-stated undertone of this is that if Knuckles doesn't succeed and fast, a whole island might fall mm. off that mountain and be smashed to bits, all that ancient history's gone, all this soul crystal stuff gone, and also whoever's down below on Mobius flattened by it. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is just an emerald mine. This isn't where these guys lived. They were plains creatures that roamed across the land. You know, this emerald mine isn't theirs any more than it is the echidnas, you know? But in that chamber is the one that's keep... What does it say? The power of the soul crystal the soul keeps crystal, the spirit yeah. of the herd alive. So that bit is important. And it, where Knuckles starts to lose me is where he starts punching bits off these ancient skeletons. So he, like, punches the horn off. They're trying to kill him, man. I know, I know. I think this is a burrow underground situation, you know? Mind you, I suppose fossils are quite... They're, they're at home underground, aren't they? And also, the skeleton is just going to pull itself back together anyway. Yeah. I'm sure we must have said last time that there's obviously... it's There's no big one-for-one one allegory in the way that the ancient echidnas and the Kohenyu have been depicted, but there's a sort of mashup of ideas of, like, indigenous genocide and the extinction of the buffalo and something sort of rolled into one with that. And 
I mean, what we have here is, uh, and to be honest, like, in many ways, a story more timely now than it even was then, where we have uh, Knuckles essentially unwilling to stand for critical race theory being taught on the floating island, <laughs> where he is refusing to accept the wrongs of his ancestors, yes. and that, that he plays any part in continuing this cycle, yeah. which is obviously what the resolution of this strip That's is going to be, where he yes. realizes that obviously he's just going to be as bad as everything if he smashes the soul crystal they'll make peace he'll leave with an emerald i don't remember how it goes but Mm. i've got media literacy i know how it's gonna go you know hope i'm right now after i've said that but uh, yeah well the the media literacy is still right whether or not the comic follows it (laughs) hey this comic has already let us down in one big way in that regard Mm. after just completely abandoning after one part the idea that the whole thing might not even be happening at all oh yeah so you never know, do Which you? Which remains a little bit disappointing, I won't lie yeah. to you. Yeah. That they didn't play with this as some kind of, uh, even at most, some kind of Oz-like thing, where mm. it may or may not have happened in, in this world or in this reality or not. There's nothing dreamlike about this happening anymore. Even after that one little tease of the idea, at mm. the end of the first part, they've totally dumped that idea. And I think that would have made this more interesting. Now, I don't know, maybe how they pay it off, there'll be some tying of the loop at the very end. We'll see. I won't completely write it off until then. But Yeah. yeah. We don't know for absolutely definite that that bit where they established that it isn't an illusion in his head wasn't an illusion in his head. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Maybe the whole of the rest of STC from now on is Knuckles' is hallucination. And you were there. And you were there. <laughs> But we'll see. Maybe we are all but a dream in the mind of the echidna. Or am I an echidna dreaming? <laughs> I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of... The Diary Zone. This is the segment in which I take you back to the time when this issue came out because I wrote it all down in my diary and sometimes recorded bits of it on tape. And you get an on-the-ground report from our roving reporter, Dave in 1996, who has something very controversial to say about Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, controversy. I love a bit of controversy, you know, it sells issues. Exactly. It sells Patreon subscriptions. I mean, this is the thing, like, and I'll say this now, if you want to reply to this controversial statement, you can do so, and I will not read it, unless it's delivered through our Patreon. So you have to be a <laughs> member, and you have to make a comment there, and then I'll engage with you. At that point, Post I'm Post your letters to 1996. Yep, patreon.com forward slash stctp to reply to this. Saturday the 3rd of February 1996, 10.50pm. Yawn, because it's 10.50pm. I completed Sonic and Knuckles as Tails and achieved Super Tails. Hey. You know those two friends that I've been yes, hanging out with the recently? Sonic friends. They've come over. They brought their Mega CD and Sonic CD. It's not really very good. Sonic CD Not really very good Can't really go back to Sonic CD After you've just played Sonic 3 and Knuckles After you've just played Sonic 3 and Knuckles After that day you completed A version of it You know like yeah Yeah. uh, There I am getting all those emeralds There I am having that nice time And then I'm given Sonic CD Although I do say But I love the bit where he shrinks Yeah right (laughs) enough that's a very good bit. And what I, one of the things I really enjoy about Sonic Mania is that when they recreated that bit, they also make it so that you can play as Tails and Knuckles and they all shrink and they all get their cute big heads and someone modded the game so you can play as little Sonic Tails and Knuckles all the way all through. All the way through. Love those guys. Yeah, that's my, that's my stance. The very first time, and I didn't remember this, the, apparently the first time I ever saw 
Sonic CD running the first time I played it, I didn't rate it. I was so excited to get it. Like, I got it a, a year later when I got my first PC. That was when I managed to get Sonic CD because it came out on PC for Windows 95. That was when I finally played it. And I was all excited. I was all about it. I played through it. I thought it was brilliant. The music, obviously, I loved. But apparently, apparently I wasn't into the game. But it did inspire me because on Sunday the 4th, I, uh, at 10.46pm, I report that I did some of the starting anim for Sonic and Knuckles' video. Do you remember I was going to make this video? Yes, I do. Well, I now I've seen what it looks like when there is an animated intro to Sonic. So I'm like, right, here we go, we're going to do this. And I now give you a blow-by-blow storyboard of what Ooh. happens in the animation that I made for my... And this is made, it's not planned. I've done this on my Amiga, it's made. On the Amiga! <laughs> This is what happens in the intro to Sonic and Knuckles that I have made on my Amiga, and I'm going to show it you right now. Oh, okay. So number one, panel one, there's space. There's space. That's literally the narrative caption. There's space. You can see that, and, and I've drawn. And what I've done here is I've drawn. I've although I've already drawn this on my Amiga and actually animated and everything. I've I've redrawn it here for the mm. diary. So there's a picture of a planet, a whirly galaxy, a, a star, yeah. and a lot of scribbling to make space. There's space. The moon is eclipsed. eclipsed. Look at it getting eclipsed. Yeah. We, we know why, don't we? Don't we? I have a good notion why. It's, it's the, the death, death egg! egg! And you can see here the angry... It's just a black ball with angry eyes mm. and a huge glow around it, which implies that I did a kind of a flare of the, the eclipse light coming out. And then the next panel... Uh, <laughs> this is pretentious. Oh, boy. And this is... It doesn't say this, but I'm guessing this is what happened next in the animation. It's the Death Egg, and then... The moon is eclipsed, it's the Death Egg, David Bulmer, 1996, and it's with a little <laughs> Master Emerald. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going for... It's credits. It cuts to, like, the credit thing of copyright David Bulmer. Written Bull by David yeah. Bulmer. Animation by David yeah. Bulmer. Produced by David exactly. Bulmer. Best boy, David Bulmer. <laughs> Rip, David Bulmer. Listen. If you're not convinced by now that I was the best boy... <laughs> <laughs> Next panel. Drawing of Sonic there. Hey, there's the man himself. Obviously inspired by the Sonic CD intro in some way. Looking a bit pointy. His, his top spike is going up rather than he back. looks That's well. You know. I like it. Yep. And then the capture for this one is, I'm too tired. I'll tell you tomorrow. Oh, right. It was just stopping there. <laughs> That's just where it stops. Next day, Monday the 5th of February 1996, 10.17pm. The project has collapsed. Chris, you're not wrong. <gasps> the Sonic anim didn't save. No! Oh well, tired again. Grim. Oh, I remember this clear as day. I worked so hard. I spent ages doing this animation on my Amiga that was like, for a 13-year-old, really good. I had this whole bit where the, the bit about the drawing of the grouchy Sonic is because after he revs up, there's like a, a floor-eye view of this hill which Sonic comes sprinting over and over the camera. Like, I think he actually went over the top of it and you can see his foot going, you know, again, ins obviously inspired by the Sonic CD and just gone. It just didn't save. Just didn't save. It was corrupt or something. It was gone. And of course I never revisited it. That's of a course. lot of... That's what? Three distinct background... Whatever you call background plates. Whatever the background is called. That's animation of Sonic running. It's, I bet his fists, I bet his feet were going. That's him revving up. That's the eclipse of the death. It's up. Gone. Gone. I've never forgotten it. Such a that's betrayal. Rough. 
I remember when that happened to me with a Sonic story I was writing oh, no. on a word processor. Yeah, I flipped the power switch off. Oh. I hadn't closed the document, so I just deleted the document. Oh, no! I did rewrite the whole thing, though. I did knuckle down and redo that. Knuckle. That's well lost to the ages now, knuckle and down. deservedly so, because it had Archie characters in it. Oh, well, if you ever find it, you've got to No, I won't it. ever find you've it. That machine is long gone, the printouts are long gone. <laughs> I don't even remember anything about it. The only thing I remember about it was because it was obviously written based on my limited exposure to the the ABC characters. Mm. I even, wouldn't even call it Archie characters, you know. No, because um, I'd never, I hadn't seen the end of the show or whatever. So obviously, uh, the main plot of the show that I knew was that King Acorn was missing. Yeah, and I'd never seen the second season, wherever they, you know, find him in the void and all that. So this story was written from the perspective that Robotnik was King Acorn. That in, in a Kintobor oh. style, he had been transformed in this oh. somehow into, into Robotnik. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's, that's uh, all right. That's like literally that. all I remember about it, though. But then I remember that the epilogue was like, no, it's all lies. He's got him chained up in his basement. And he was just f***ing with Sally. What? That's wicked. That's a, that, that's an actual good story they should have done in Archie. <laughs> I don't remember literally anything else that happened in it, though. So no, no, no. <laughs> I just well, remember I, that. Sadly, I never revisited. That was it. That was the end of the project. And there died the Sonic and Knuckles. No, it didn't. Wait, no, wait it hold didn't. on. Turn that page. Okay, so the next day, Tuesday the 6th of February 96, today I stayed off school. <gasps> Yesterday I had a bad tonsillitis, sore throat, and today I was just feeling grotty. We went to the doctors today who said I had an inflamed throat. Cool thing, he gave me a couple of days off. Next cool thing, I can't feel it. Hey! Couple of days off school! For like nothing, basically, as far as you're concerned. Did Anim of Death Egg rising over Floating Island? Here's how. And then see if you see if you get this joke, Chris. Okay, okay, alright. There. Why do they do that? Uh, a little planet, it looks like, or a space hopper with a question mark on it? Yep. That is the logo of the then-current television program, Hi, Do They Do That, presented by Eamon Holmes, but changed into, Why Do They Do That? Because it's um, being self-deprecating. See, it's funny. Okay. See, it's funny. Did you just say funny. hi in a Northern Ireland accent? That's how he said it, and it was I what know it he is, called the program. I but I was just checking. I don't remember the program. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we used to jokingly call it hi, hi do they do that? Do they do that? That's how Eamon pronounced it. And hi. back in those days, that was probably the first time, you know, we would have, hi. in my class, we would have heard that pronounced in that way. Well, of course, you were well used to having all of the Northern Irish people that appeared on your television set dubbed over. <laughs> Wednesday, the 7th, finished Sonic 3 and Knuckles. I finished it as Super Knuckles, and I started a Sonic poster for John Kendall. My cousin who's been on the podcast before. Um, We skip ahead, we go to a production of Pirates of Penzance and sit next to a man who stinks of TCP. There is an illustration of him there. There he is. There's TCP (laughs) man. He's fit to be on stage, isn't he? He had Pirates of Penzance hair. Okay, skip through this, skip through this. Uh, In the French corridor, Daz nicked my hat. I nicked it back, so he pulled some of my hair out. (laughs) And that is what was going on in real life in 1996. I don't think much of that is going to make it in. (laughs) (laughs) Well. It's the Beavis and Butthead special. Well. Part one. Mm -hmm. Warning! Mm -hmm. 
This game is not suitable for younger readers. No. Apparently. Hands off. Yeah. Um, I'll say this for these two pages. I'll say this, right? It makes me want to play the game. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, to be honest. Oh, shall I look it up in the encyclopedia? Oh, why don't you? Yes. This is going to be our Bible now, three mm. years later. Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead game on the SNES was a straight platformer. The Mega Drive version is a platformer with puzzle elements similar to a point-and-click game. You can mm. switch between the two characters at any time, which is useful when one character's health or their attention span is low. Mm. Alternatively, two players can play cooperatively and control both the young chaps at the same time. Mm. Uh, see, that sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like a fun sort of game. All the screenshots and the stuff that it's telling you to do. It's one of, well, I described this before on STCTP. It's one of those games where by looking at the screenshots, you can't clearly tell what the standard gameplay of it is going to be. Mm. There's a lot of times where the sprites are bigger or smaller right in front of the screen. So those are probably like the equivalent of cutscenes or something. Yeah, I think so. It's never entire. There's at least one obvious mini game going on where you're looking out of a window with two fishing rods sticking out of it. So there's a fishing mini game yeah. going on. There's a, a picture of one of Beavis and Butthead on a pogo stick that appears to be much bigger. And it does replicate the horrible art style of the cartoon <laughs> down to a T, but in a way that genuinely looks quite punk and rebellious to even do that in a game. Yeah. Frankly, it, it takes me back to like the Spectrum days when games could be anything. I feel like this guide is... Um cutting through a lot of that though in it's very mm. simplified descriptions of how it works yeah. so like the first level it gives you here is burger world we've heard about this before back in the review of the game when we talked about it uh in the dumpster on the far side of burger world is a dead rat pick it up so you have to go in and deep fry mm. it and feed it to someone and they'll puke up part of the ticket you're trying to collect but it just says go to the employee's entrance and enter the code 28884323 to get in and I'm like, yes, you're telling me that. But obviously there's something you do in the game to tell you what the code is to learn it. So I'm yeah, like, you're going to go around the game yeah. noting down one number of the code and then another number uh, of the code. It's probably maybe. not as involved as that. I'd say it probably just involves watching an employee enter it at one point. Oh, and get possibly. All the code yeah, in one yeah, go. yeah. But what I'm saying is there's a bit of exploratory and or narrative fun yes. to be had there, I would wager, yes. that is just skipped over by this guide, you know? It's cool that the game allows you to do that if you happen to already know the code. It's not something where you have to see that bit to mm. do it. And then, yeah, and then it says, yeah, give when cooked, give the meal to the customer who's out front. He'll eat it and vomit. Nice. nice. <laughs> then collect the ticket piece that's in the pool of sick. Note, there are various bits of food dotted around this store. Yeah, no, you made that clear. <laughs> Grab the headset before you leave, it says. Yet at no point over the rest of this description does it say what you'll need the headset for. When no. you're in the mall, you take the bomb on the bookshelf and go to the auto parts store and get the oil samples. And then in the laundry, you'll need oil, jeans, and a bar of soap. And then it tells you where to get the soap, but it doesn't tell you where you get the jeans from. And I'm like, yeah. this would probably all make sense if you were playing the game. It does paint this picture of a game that's going to be full of content and yeah. interesting things are going to happen and like where do i get the jeans i've got to make someone puke in this game like all these weird stuff that, that it, it makes the game feel really interesting in a way yeah. uh so i quite like this Qzo. i've just noticed here this is by chris jones as well it's not david gibbon oh. not suitable for younger readers though again we got this warning on the review and i'm like just because there's a bit of puke in it and they say stuff sucks you know It'd be nothing. This would be for five-year-olds today. Maybe that's why it's Chris Jones. Maybe David Gibbon is too little to play this game. 
Sonic's World. Brute Force Part 3, written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Don D. Cox, and letters by Steve Potter. Johnny leads Brutus's army of badniks on a chase through the Cotton Factory Zone, duping them into destroying Robotnik's factory there. But it's not all good news, he runs straight into Brutus, who uses his mind scanner on Johnny to learn the Freedom Fighter's secrets, including the location of the hidden Emerald Hill folk. Big stakes for a Sonic's world! For a little Johnny Lightfoot story, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'm wondering how, how they get out of this, because uh, yeah, yeah. is like Brutus going to have the information erased somehow next episode? I know, I know what it is. They go to the floating island, and it's not there, because they don't spot that it's stuck on that mountain. <laughs> we don't know, do we? Is it still lodged? No, he got it back up out of the mountain at the end, didn't he? Oh, did he? Oh, I think so, him. yeah. Because the robot head is still full of emerald power. That's right, that's right. In for the emerald. Okay, uh, listeners retroactively edit out any time I refer to the floating island being on the mountain in the knuckle strip, because I know I did it at least once. I don't think you referenced it enough that it matters. <laughs> oh, none of this matters. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's a comic about a rabbit and a it's robot. It's made up. Not real. It's all made up. No <laughs> yeah, so this is cool, isn't it? Like, here's... It's just fun. I see Johnny getting the solo spotlight, just doing some action hero stuff. Yeah, a cameo from the flock on page three. <laughs> <laughs> they are very flock-like, aren't they? But I suppose that's uh, that's good in a sense. In its mm-hmm. like, it's in the sense that like, uh, uh, Corona established what sheep look like in the world of yeah. STC, even if it's not what certainly not what you would expect yeah. sheep to look like in the world of Sonic. But not when you'd want them to. No, but now Flint is just uh, following through on that. Yeah, yeah. Bit of consistency um, there. There's the bit where <laughs> and I know exactly the bit you mean. <laughs> Brutus just suddenly starts twirling his fingers and yeah. going, ha, 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 run, rabbit, run, rabbit. Yeah, the, the one, as Johnny makes a run for it and he realises he can use the badniks to destroy the factory for him, he takes a run. The outlaw is trying to escape, sir. And Brutus just, yeah, he's really loving it. He's getting into, twiddles his fingers around. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, What he's run. doing is he's twiddling, he's doing a Beano-y singing yeah, pose. Beano dad dance. Where he's twirling the index finger on both hands, but of course, on his right hand, it's a little sort of anti that shoots lasers so he's twirling that <laughs> it's just really funny here comes a badnik with his gun 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 uh i didn't know you could sing sir <clears throat> yes, well, it's obviously a human trait i picked up from robotnik and that's brilliant yes. like that's just that's really that, that turns it from a little joke thing into like yeah. into him like excuse me what am i talking about it's like yeah he's more human than he knows or is even willing to yeah. admit you know i wonder if that'll be his downfall in the end oh. i don't know i don't remember no what happens in this story we got to find out we are we are on tenterhooks for the conclusion to at least two of these stories carl flint does draw a rather nice brutus doesn't he like he's no richard elson but who is but look, look at this one where he grabs johnny by the neck and lifts him up look at that, that. the hard mm. angles and curves of his face and tusks and helmet his big tusks poking out he also draws a good hero jumps out of the way of an explosion yeah that looks really good <laughs> yeah and then so what happens is that uh, yeah johnny has destroyed the factory with a big explosion we're free you destroyed robotnik's cotton factory and without the aid of sonic not that eh it's not over yet short tail and brutus grabs it <laughs> yeah and he immediately 
You think, you know, you think something violent will happen. And then, of course, we remember, he's got those brain scanners. So he pops one in his head. He pops one on Johnny's head. Johnny goes all silly. His eyes are going in different directions. Same way Grimer went silly. The hands go all floaty and the eyes go off in different directions. He's kind of got one peace sign on one hand and one, you know, devil horns on the other side. Uh, That's probably deliberate, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Peace on one hand and the devil on the other, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's just the sort of thing you do at a festival, basically. He's just off his head. And now Brutus knows everything oh, Johnny what knows. What a great bit! Oh, this 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 was one of those moments. It was like at the original Project Brutus, where I couldn't stop myself mm. going <laughs> when it was happening. It is done. I share the same knowledge as Johnny Lightfoot. Yes, Outlaw, I know your secrets. I know that you and the others disguise yourselves as Bob Beaky's traveling circus. Yes. And Johnny just goes, "Big deal. Want a free ticket?" You mock me, even though your fight is over. Remember, Rabbit, I know where the Emerald Hill folk have been hiding these past few months. And the storm clouds gather in, and the Mm -hmm. lightning starts flashing as this big dramatic low Dutch angle up on Brutus as he flexes his muscles. Troopers, gather our forces. We attack the floating island immediately. Target! Mushroom Valley. Yes. Next issue, the conclusion. Oh. I love it. It's just, it's really, really cool. You know, isn't it a shame that this happened, this issue, instead of last issue? Because the conclusion, this issue, a satisfying conclusion as far as I'm concerned, is that Brutus is too bothered by how much he fancies Amy Rose now that he's taken on Johnny's brain patterns <laughs> that he can't <laughs> make it a Valentine story. <laughs> oh, that would swerve it all around, yeah. <laughs> Quietly got the horn for Amy. Maybe that'll be his downfall. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But that's what—that's the sort of sense you get here now is that he's not absorbing like Grimer and Johnny's personalities. Yeah, he's literally just taking like knows information out of their brains. Yeah. He's not—it's not changing who he is. He's getting yeah. their abilities and knowledge, but he's not changing as a person. Person, funny word for it, but you know, unlike yeah, yeah. you know, he's—it's—he doesn't have their brains the same way he has Robotnik's brain. I don't think he attacks the floating island next issue. Something's got to happen, right? Maybe, He's but gotta like... have the knowledge wiped out of his brain somehow, right? Anyway, this was ooh, I'm really looking forward to the next part of this now, because I don't know what happens. I just I can't imagine yeah. he's gonna attack the floating island. He can't go around with this knowledge, so unless unless he deliberately chooses not to act on it to build because that is something you could imagine Brutus doing, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know, I'm really looking forward to it. Spoilers. Stephen Grieg of Mitchum Surrey, Sonic and Knuckles camera winner, has drawn a lovely little drawing here of Sonic the Hearty Hedgehog. It's a good laugh, and I think it's very sweet. It is. It's wrong in almost all regards, but it's lovely. It, yes. <laughs> it's uh, Sonic being a heart. It's Sonic as a heart. It's just a big heart with Hearty Hedgehog written in it, and it's got Sonic's head on top, but it's barely Sonic's head. You know, he's got... Yeah. Imagine a big circle divided in half, blue on top, brown on the bottom, with a lovely little smile in the brown section, and... Two little tiny eyes, just sort of somewhere, somewhere in the head. Kind of uh, somewhere in there. Sanicky energy. Yeah, spikes going all the way down the back of his head and down the side of the heart. He's got his blue legs. 
He's got his shoes, but they don't have the socks. And just coming out of the front at any available angle, wherever there was <laughs> yeah. space, he's got his two hands. <laughs> it's Valentine's. It's okay. And there's all hearts everywhere. It's very nice. The other picture is not a Valentine's picture, no. but it is still relevant. Yes, it is. It's from Samuel Smithers from East Sussex, a Mega Drive 2, Mega CD, 32X, and Saturn mm. owner. Thank wow. you very much. Excuse me. Oh, my word. And he's drawn, well, it's Sonic and Knuckles as Beavis and Butthead. Uh, so he's drawn Mevis and Sonic Head. Hmm. Yes. Well done. Um, yeah. So it's yes. It's, it's... <laughs> yeah. The sheer lack of enthusiasm in your voice. It's because I I didn't like Beavis and Butthead, and I didn't like mm. what Beavis and Butthead re- represented. You know, it, it was actually quite unpleasant, and we were actually all supposed to get into it. <laughs> but it's. I mean, it's it's Beavis and Butthead's bodies. They're long, thin bodies. Yeah, it's more Beavis and Butthead than it is Sonic and Knuckles, isn't it? Yeah, it's Beavis and Butthead with Sonic and Knuckles' heads, and Sonic's got a brown top spike, and Knuckles' dreads are blonde to match yeah. Beavis and Butthead's hair colours. They're standing in front of a sofa, which looks more like a fridge, yeah. and uh, television. That, that's it. That's what it is. I don't know, something about Samuel Smithers, just, uh, I don't know, man, four consoles... Drawing mm. Sonic and his parents let him watch Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. I, I want to slap him. I want to give him a slap. That exact. You've described <laughs> my problem with Beavis and Butthead down to the ground. The, the sort of person who's into Beavis and Butthead is the sort of person who has their own Sky Dish. And has had one for the last few years Around now is when it's okay to get one People start getting them around now And that's fine and exciting The kids who had them since 1993 They're something up with those kids Watch out for them They're they're the little sociopath kids (laughs) Gosh I wouldn't get Sky for another Six or seven years yet I didn't get it until 2013 Oh, there you go That was my own problem Look how you turned out Look at the state of you I know I cancelled it after a year Didn't watch it well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I don't watch it now, certainly. No. Letter-wise, uh, James Richards from Hastings notes that back in issue 64, Moraine had grown an extra tail. Didn't no. notice that at the time, no. did we? Oh, we yeah. would... James, you should be on this podcast spotting things for us. Yeah, I know. Very attentive. He wants yeah. to know what happened, and Megadroid comes up with a very good no prize <laughs> of an answer. It's <laughs> obvious. Artist Hume Nigel Kitching and all-round clever clogs must have been affected by the strange distortions you find close to dimensional bridges. Yeah. Makes you wonder if they consulted <laughs> Nigel for that, and he wrote that answer. You know? Yeah, it does sound like a... Yeah, he could have cooked, up, cooked it up yeah. with an answer, doesn't it? Hedgehog's Pride. Dear Megadroid, I would like you to tell Sonic from me that there's more to life than pride it's obvious that sonic likes amy so why doesn't he just admit from jennifer dean of manchester give us a shout jennifer can you hear this mega cd mega drive and master system owner three consoles Uh, but no saturn so i'll let her off Uh, yeah exactly it's the saturn that really tips it over the edge that's the one yeah (laughs) are you suggesting then jen says mega droid that the coolest hedgehog can't cope with getting hot under the sneakers just they they said some words until they'd finished. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something very Matt Berry-ish about your delivery of that uh, that line. Under the, under the, the sneakers. sneakers. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was on Jennifer's side there at mm-hmm. the start because she's mm-hmm. obviously reading Sonic's character correctly about his yeah. pridefulness and his arrogance, yeah. and it's obvious that he likes Amy. Mm, what world? What no. world is anybody on who thinks no. Sonic likes Amy like that? 
And I include not. modern Sonic fandom in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can at Chris yeah. McFeely on Twitter. You're all <laughs> wrong. Wise up. <laughs> Please don't at me on Twitter. <laughs> Unless you're a patron. Yes, then you're allowed. I won't respond, but... <laughs> and we round out with one here from Dean Bittescombe of Bridgewater, uh, who says, Dear Megadroid, I just had to write in to tell you that, in my opinion, Decap Attack is the best story in STC. Hey, why not? And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Megadroid replies <laughs> Don't tell me Dean <laughs> You find it so funny You Laughed your head off Sensible chuckle There you go that is it That is it We've got a little something in our mail bag Is something nice This is from Tony Hugh it's lovely. He says, Hello, Sonic the Comic, the podcast, the email account. <laughs> Thank you for your wonderful podcast. I have been rereading every fortnight with you, and it's been, oh, good, and it's been a joy to revisit both such a formative comic and my 90s childhood. Yeah. Now, the reason I'm writing to you is a friend of mine hearing me gush about how great the Sonic 3 and Knuckles arc was made me a fantastic present Ooh. that I think you will appreciate. Now, Chris. I cannot overstate how good of a present this is. Ooh, okay. If 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 anyone if anyone presented us with something like this, we would be like, "What did I do that made me matter so much to you that you've done this?" It, it would be suspicious levels of friendship if someone did this. <laughs> Look at this. Oh, what? Yeah. Look at oh, with a sprites and flipping. What's that made of? Phone I mean, card? Uh, pff, uh, what, describe it, Chris. What are we looking at here? It's a little diorama of Knuckles and Sonic in the Sky Sanctuary Zone with Metal Sonic on the Master Emerald on the teleporter and the Death Egg in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. All in a little plastic box. Mm-hmm. It's mounted on a base. And it's all cut out and put... I think it's that thing where you put layers of corrugated card to make the things stand out. I think they're foam in between. Oh, yeah, they could be, actually, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is wicked cool. Look at that. And they've managed to do, like, a repeating... Um, it's got a floor texture that goes back to the back of the diorama, which has in the middle an actual bulging out... Yeah. Probably made round a bit of kitchen roll tube or something. Column. Column the one that yeah. dissolves that Sonic and Tails run up. The cloud background is correct. Like, it's... You couldn't... Did we say it's all sprites from the game? It's all. There's no... Nothing's been drawn for this. It's all printed off sprites from the game of Sonic Knuckles, the metallics that's there, the Master Emerald sat on the transporter, a couple of columns, the big central column that they run up, and everything else like the floor you can see the floor leads to the front of the floor with ivy trailing down it it's the the, the cloud background is accurate to the game the death egg rising up is accurately it's immaculate brilliant love it fantastic post that brilliant. on the twitter uh, hell yeah isn't it great yeah it's great <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's it's a little bit going at it yeah. yeah well they're about to go at it fantastic um, back to the email. It's only a flipping diorama, he says, of the Sonic and Knuckles and the Metallic showdown in Sky Sanctuary Zone. This present from my very thoughtful and talented friend wouldn't have happened without your podcast, so I thought you'd like to know. Yeah, yeah we would like brilliant. to know. Wishing you a lot of tood in the new Yule. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's how that works. Tony, 32X owner. Ooh, 
one of the few. Not a Mega Drive owner, though. No, I didn't just have, no, just only the 32X, yeah. <laughs> and we've got this letter from Professor Bad Vibes, who says... <laughs> from Cops. Yeah, who says, Hi, Chris and Dave. I recently discovered your podcast, and it's been a great way to experience Sonic the Comic. I am a younger fan of the series who grew up with the games. Sonic Heroes hey. on the PlayStation 2 was my first. But I love the entire Sonic body of work. I've been putting off STC for a while, but reading along with the podcast has led me to discover that I like it the best out yes. of all the comic series. Oh, yes! Absolutely right. I'll t- and I have I know why that is as well, actually, Professor Bad Vibes. It's because it is the best yeah, out of all the comic series. It is the best one. The characters are quite well written, the pacing is great, the magazine features are a great window into what it was like to be a game enthusiast in the 90s, and the serials about other Sega games make it a very well-rounded read. I am currently at issue 30, so I have high hopes for what's to come. No pressure on you guys, of course. Oh, wow, if you're only at 30, oh. you think about all this. I mean, you've just had the Sonic Terminator, so you've got yeah. a taste of where we're headed, but ooh. Yeah. <laughs> No pressure on you guys, of course. It's always great to hear your perspectives and anecdotes on the magazine and the culture surrounding it. Let me tell you, if you're only at number 30, I do not feel any pressure because I know what you've got <laughs> yeah. coming up to enjoy. Yeah, exactly. So all the best, Professor Bad Vibes, Florida, USA. P.S. Hey. Have either of you tried Sonic Roboblast 2? It's an incredibly charming 3D platformer in the style of the Mega Drive Sonic games. Have you ever heard of Sonic Roboblast 2? I've heard of it. I haven't played it. I, I have an interesting answer to that. No, I don't think I've ever played Sonic Roboblast 2. But I helped make it. <laughs> I am the composer of the Green Flower Zone music, which is the, you know, the, the first zone. affected by any of the sound quality in this recording then tell me how to like get data off a really old computer from 1998 without going on about taking internal hard drives out of things and plugging them into things because i've got i'd quite like to make some recordings of the way my old music was supposed to sound that'd be quite nice instead of having to resort to searching youtube for my own music <laughs> and finding whatever was like the most accurate to how i remember it one i could find uh, which I wrote for them in, I think, 1998 or possibly 99, uh, which is when they were making the game. And I also wrote them a boss tune and a title, screen music, and the intro anim. Now, what I wrote those for was an earlier version of the game, but my Greenflower tune is, like, kind of still in it. They, they've never got rid of it. They've just remixed it, rewritten it. And I now and then I still get contacted by someone who's like, did you write the Greenflower Zone? Because so <laughs> what it is, Ro- Sonic Roboblast 1 was this, like, you know, games factory or click and play or something like that, you know, 
the most basic, a, a child, a small boy, has written a Sonic game and it's his first attempt at coding. Sonic Roboblast 2 was like, he was going to do that again, uh, but just make it a bit better. And that was why he did this intro anim that I, I remember writing, he gave me a copy of the anim and I like carefully stop, wrote. Stop calling it an anim, it's, dude. it's not 1996 called. anymore, it's okay. not what they were called. Okay, but it was 1990. Seven or eight when he sent me them this. in your diary. Intro anim. That's what they were called. It may have been an Amiga anim. thing. It may have been an Amiga thing. All right. But anyway, he did an intro introductory animation sequence. Damn. And I remember carefully scoring it, like to the point where, like, there was a thing that flashed on and off, and so the score is like dun dun dun. I'm carefully making it sync up exactly. Anyway, that got chucked out. I mean, that 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 was never in it. And. Soon, Sonic Roboblast 2 became way more, like, ambitious than that. And these kids, and they, when they started this, they were children, like 15 they were. Yeah, this took a while to happen, right? It took a while. It took them a couple of years. Asterisk. I'll tell you what I mean by that in a minute. But they built the first 3D Sonic game, basically. I mean, I think we'd already had Sonic R... But we hadn't had Sonic Adventure, or if we had, it had just come out, I think. Certainly, it was the first 3D Sonic fan game, I think. You know what I'm like, I think that's true. And when I say it took them a couple of years, what I mean is they're still making it now. That must be why I hear about it. Yeah, it's still getting updates, it's still fun and good, apparently, and yeah, it's still got my tune in it for the green flower zone that's probably all because my title uh, music that i made was just um I, I basically did a midi of something that's on this album that was out at the time that was like virtual sonic the album was called and it had this treatment of the sonic and knuckles theme in it which starts off as the sonic and knuckles theme and then just goes off on its own track and that was what I lifted to make this title screen music. And then I made a boss music based on that. So they probably chucked all of that out. But yeah, no, Greenflower's still in there. You can listen to it all on, and all the different versions of it are up on YouTube. That was me. And no, I've never played it. Unless I played it when it was brand new. But the modern version, I haven't. And I should, shouldn't I? I should play it. Yeah. Apparently it's... Get a stream going. Apparently it's really good fun, and people should play it. Still now, it's not... It's like, yes, it's outdated in a way, but in a way that's like, oh, look at this, look at what we could have had instead of some of what we've had. <laughs> well, I think on that bombshell, <laughs> uh, we're done with this issue. Next issue in glorious smell vision I said smell vision earlier, didn't I? When did we invent that term? I don't know. I feel like Noel's House Party was the first time I heard it, smell-o-vision. Well, no, but it was one of those things that, like, you know, all our lives, grown-ups would make a joke about unnecessary gimmicks. They would go, you know, when if anyone, if ever anyone was going to make a film in 3D, it would be like, oh, what's next? Smell-o-vision. So it's always been in the air. 4D, as we call it these days. Yeah, exactly. Yes, because it's the free scratch and sniff sticker, and we see the artwork here that we're pretty certain is the art that appears on the sticker next issue. It's Sonic holding his nose, eyes shut, as he holds up one of his own stinky, stinky sneakers. Yeah, and that is, I. this is what I remember. I remember this sticker. That's how I picture it. I 
am pretty sure I put it on my bed, so I don't know whether that means that... Stinky bed! Yeah, as it's broken down, will it be a bad situation for the room, or will it not affect the room, you know? Don't know. Mike Hadley art either way. It's a, it's a nice little drawing. I quite like the way it's coloured for some reason. It's got something a bit analogue looking about it. It's quite blurry, too. They've definitely got a low-res copy of it there. Yeah, this particular reproduction of it is... is far lower is is far bigger than the resolution of the image allows they've just taken i don't know i don't know why they ever do this why do they ever blow up images that they must surely have a large scan of and they use them in this low res so we can see the pixels i could have copied this into d-paint someone's goofed somewhere along the way but also i don't remember how big the sticker is um i think it's about middle-sized bigger than a sticker middle size for stc so it's not the size of one of their big stickers but it's bigger than a little sticker. Yeah, that sounds right yeah. yeah also sonic and chaotics a scent of danger mm, sonic's world who knows the outcome news 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 knuckles the thrilling conk conk hey. is, is a slang word for a your word. nose a american boomers yeah. and let's stunk chopper bad nick Oh, well, fishy pin-up and smells fishy. I guess it's fishy smells, it, but I, yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, no mention of that bonus Sonic story. Oh, so yeah. we'll have to see what the story is with that. Oh, but yeah. if I remember right, it is also stink-themed. <laughs> STC 72, 1.20, on sale Saturday the 17th of February 1996. 1996, well underway now. February, The smell go. issue of STC. You can look forward to that. We should issue out scratch and sniff cards to go with the next episode, shouldn't we? Yeah, but what would they be? Like, yeah. The smell of, of, of... What should we do during the episode that you'll yeah, then I'm, smell? Yeah, I'm trying to think what, but I, something that doesn't massively deprecate either of us. I'm coming up short. Yes, okay. Well, if you'd like to smell our deprecation, then you could do that in the next episode of Sonic the Comedy Podcast. A very significant episode, I have to say. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll talk more about what, when, and why, but oh. we've got the finale of The Return of Chaotix, we've got the finale of Brute Force, we've got the finale of The Graveyard, and we've got a bonus Sonic story, so it's, everything's wrapping up. Yeah. yeah. But we'll talk about the specifics next time and when you want to hear those specifics you'll be able to find that episode most places good podcasts are available but you can also download it directly from the site on the web what where we keep it at <laughs> stctp.wigglehe.com yeah you can follow the podcast on twitter at sonic podcast but with there separately i'm at demon tomato dave and i am at chris mcfeely and we're both on youtube under those names as well you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash stctp where a donation of any amount will gain you access to the bonus videos we do usually two a month but it has just been the holidays yes. so if we're a little behind flagging slightly. some slack mm. um yeah we look at the martin adams novels we're now just uh getting started into sonic and the silicone warriors mm -hmm. and i feel like i've talked enough about the end of mobius this episode already i don't want to have to dwell on it anymore you know what it is i've written a bad fanfic and you get to hear me torture chris with it you get oh it so bad right now. <laughs> yeah, so you got to give us a bit of dosh because we have to pay our editor for this podcast to exist at all because we haven't got time. <laughs> well, our editor's left us now and so I'm doing it again. And as a result, it's um, skirting close to the deadline, shall we say, which puts us in danger of disruptions. You know, late episodes and that. Nobody wants anything like that. And it would be much easier for me to get it done in time. Much easier if I had a laptop that wasn't the cheapest one I could possibly find at time of purchase and I didn't have to 
to try and work around its shortcomings, which are many. So, that upgrade is what the funds are currently going towards, and I'm sure, after a few episodes, we'll want to start paying a new editor. Either way, your pound coins are keeping this thing afloat by the skin of its teeth. And listen, listen, there's even an argument that we should actually make some money doing this, if it makes people happy, so that we don't just go, oh, what's the use, and throw our copies of STC down the toilet before we reach the end. So, save some old media, join patreon.com forward slash STCTP. And since I'm already adding a drop in here, I'll take this opportunity to say thanks to Will Potter for popping up. It wasn't until after we recorded this episode that I realised that this issue's William Potter, who we spent ages wondering who he was, was possibly the same person as the Will Potter who me and Abby have actually just known for flipping ages because Abby used to draw comics for him years ago. Well, these days you'll find him in a couple of places. He's got a book coming out any day now. It's a comic, and lots of comics people in my feed are excited about it. It looks very well drawn. It's called Geezer. And it's set in our own, our very own, 1994 UK. Very apt for this podcast. It is the biog of a fictitious, I think, Britpop band. And you can find that at, you ready? You can find it at kickstarter.com slash project slash off register press slash geezer. I mean, it's all kickstarted now. You're just going there to see it. Honestly, you should go there just for the tier names. And his band that he mentioned at the start, Cud, has reformed. And they tour most autumns now, apparently. And you can go to facebook.com slash cudband, C-U-D band, to find that. Thanks, Will! Our theme song is synchronized by Sonic the Comic The Band. You can find their work at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast, and we'll see you next, next time. time.